Avengers. Assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into this excellent... Yes, it is. It was a good Premature, but, you know. Before we get into this excellent episode and introduce our special guest co-host, pretend there's an X in there somewhere, somehow, I don't know, but... Co-host. Nah. Eh, we tried. But, before we get into that, let's tell people at home how we can get a hold of us, or you can get a hold of us, on social media. How? First off, go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at... The Marvelists. You can give myself a follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. You can also follow Eddie on Instagram at Eddie9193. You can also follow myself on Twitter at Peter Melnick. And also, people, once again, how you can listen to us on a wide variety of streaming platforms. Well, again, I, I'm glad I asked. Are you glad that I asked? Oh, so. Uh, Joe, are you glad I asked? I, I didn't think I was supposed to be introduced yet, Peter. I mean, you, you it's premature, but... <sighs> You know, it's a habit of his, Joe. Forgive him, or I, or not. iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, uh, what else? Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, and a bunch of other audio providers. But when you're on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, and share. In that order. Exactly. And when you're going with Stitcher, if you want to go Stitcher, if you want to going steady, <laughs> or going Dutch. Singles going steady. Okay. Buzzcocks. Pay your own way. But you're going a different musical direction. I cannot follow. It's all good. But go on WolverinePodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. And when you do, you get one free month. Count them one. One. Joe. One. Free month of Stitcher Premium. And when you get that, mm-hmm. that was me with the phone, wasn't it? Just a little bit. Sorry. When you use that one free month of, of. Shit, I'm gonna redo that part. When you sign up for that one free month of Stitcher Premium, what was that? For? What was that look for? That's a three thousand dollar FCC violation, Peter. <laughs> wow, that I ain't love, cheap. I, I love that he knows that. He made that up. Is it? Is I it, don't even know that. Come on, and I work in radio. Well, you don't drop f bombs. You're fine. <laughs> That's because it didn't exist in the oldies. It always existed. They had it in the Who. Even before George Carlin and the Seven. Bad words. I know. Shocked. I can say them all. But, and after that one free month of Stitcher Premium is finished, you only pay four hundred and ninety-nine pennies, or four ninety-nine a month. And personally, folks, we recommend you stay on for that because it's pretty good, and it tells John Q. Stitcher at Stitcher headquarters. These guys are cool. It does. They so. do. I was, do, I was expecting something a little more uh, no, not really. dramatic. dramatic at the end. You know, like. I mean, my improvs are pretty terrible. So, But when you do sign up, you can cancel at any time during that free 30 days. But personally, like I said, we recommend you don't because you can be able to listen to Wolverine, The Long Night, and its sequel podcast, Wolverine, The Lost Trail. And when you do, it is Marvel's first foray into serialized podcasts telling a long story by a season. It's like... It's like cereal. Not not that cereal, Eddie. Oh. A delicious one. 
but like NPR Stitcher. It's like other shows that are like that that I can't think of offhand because, again, I'm terrible at improv mm. But you get all that audio content. So WolverinePodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. So, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Now let's introduce our guest co-host who's been... Not inter- introduced already. But, Eddie, returning the man. Returning to the show from the Sullivan County Democrat, Joseph Abraham. Welcome back, Joe. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. But you know what? You're... Three-time guest. I'm gonna. Is that no, right? Two-time. Two-time. He's a two-timer. Wow. But 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 also for another excellent movie because it was Joe not excellent. It was terrible. It was X Men: The Last Stand. He likes X Men, to I say do. the least. Yeah. It's exceptional. And it was the Last Stand. That was your yeah. I had, X I had to defend its honor. So at the end of that run. Those three movies, and now right in the middle of this trilogy. Is okay. it even really the middle? It's more like the beginning still, kind of, because we got four for this run. Um, we do? Yeah, because there's First Class, yep. Days of Future Past, yep. Apocalypse, yep. and Dark Phoenix. Oh, okay. So it was technically the, the middle if they decided, hey, we're not going to do this, but... Okay, so, as I kind of was saying, but, you know, can't shut Melnick up. How dare mm-hmm. you? That's the name of his. Uh, I, yes, kayfabe, yeah. babe, kayfabe. Why are, we, oh, okay. why are we even? I don't know. Plugging that. So here we are. It's 2014, three years after X Men First Class. But before we even get into that, because like we were saying, there's other things that are going on, Eddie and Marvel. Yes. First off, they actually just announced that there was going to be an X Men versus Fantastic Four movie, and it was pretty much going to be. Civil War, but with mutants and the Marvel's first family. Yes, the adventure part of them. Yeah, and I didn't even hear that, but that yeah, was over the recent of recent days. Yeah, yeah, it just was announced that that was going to have happened, and it was actually going to feature a scene, I believe, where Mister Fantastic decapitates Wolverine. Oof. Yeah. Okay. Now let me ask: Does that obviously that kind of scene is going to warrant a hard R rating? Because I don't know if you know. Well, then again. We had the purple guy. We had Grimace get decapitated when Thor finally listened to the advice. And we did. Went for the head. But, yeah, that uh, that would have been a movie, and I don't know how it would have made me feel. I'm not sure how just getting the whole idea of X-Men versus Fantastic Four and then the decapitation from Reed Richards of Wolverine, those two things I'm still kind of like wrapping my head around those. Well, remember, it is a different interpretation of how the characters were in Fantastic compared to the other ones. Like, it was a little... Well, yeah. I have a pretty good idea how you'd feel. How? Mutated. Woof! This guy over here. That guy over there. But... Hey, look at that. There was a... Um, wasn't there an X-Men Fantastic Four little little miniseries? Crossover in the 80s, yeah. Yes. There was okay. that one as well as uh, X-Men versus the Avengers. Yes, okay. Back in the 80s as well. And then they did one in the 2000s, 2012. But, yeah. Maybe that could have been the genesis of that. I'm not sure. Could have been the second genesis. Eddie. That's something else. Uh, by that other Ed. Sure is. Guy. But what I find really funny is they wanted to do this. They wanted to make this movie where essentially, I believe the impetus of it all was Johnny Storm blows something up and people end up hating the Fantastic Four or the X-Men and they all get into a kerfluffle. I, if... Hmm. As far as I know, this would have been a movie that comes out after Civil War. So everyone would have been like, wow, you guys are really running out of ideas where you're just making the same movie but with a different studio. Yeah, it's like it's a video game plot too, right? Almost feels like it, yeah. And on the topic of video games, this week is E3 in Los Angeles, California. 
but is that easier to say than just e e e i mean you know it's entertainment electronic entertainment expo so but e3 so you you know shorten it to that that's it not e cubed because that's something else erotic entertainment expo (laughs) electronic uh Mm. but no not those kind daddy but oh that but was, that was a close one. In regards to E3, they're actually they're announcing a bunch of different things, including Nintendo. They just said for the upcoming Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, we're going to be seeing the return to video games of the Fantastic Four, the return of the X-Men in a major video game that, you know. Fun fact about the X-Men in the video games lately, Eddie. When they made the video game Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, that was the fourth entry in the Marvel vs. Capcom series. Some of the you know programmers, producers, had made the comment that no one even remembers the X-Men. Now, I'm sorry. Well, at that point, perhaps, yes. No, I, I beg to differ because you have Days of Future Past, which was a phenomenal movie that was critically acclaimed. And from our review, we're going to be doing the same pretty much. But, okay. you Don't know, spoil it, Peter. <laughs> spoilers, we like the movie. Yeah, a lot. But in regards to, you know, that, you I can't say the concept of no one remembers who the X-Men are. I beg to differ. Yeah, I, I would kind of agree. I just didn't know what point that was that that was said, to be honest. And they wouldn't include Deadpool in Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, even though he was in Marvel vs. Capcom 3. So mm. why would you not include him? And I get why they're doing it, because the game had MCU-related characters. So it was like the, you know, Hawkeye, I believe the Hulk... Iron Man, Cap, Black Widow, etc. But when you're not including Deadpool, who, if you're lumping him in with the X-Men, I'm pretty sure the highest grossing R-rated comedy of all time, Deadpool, is something people remember. <laughs> I don't know, if it, like, when you, go to, when you go to Hot Topic, when you go to Walmart, Kmart, if you, you know, if you live in, like, 1997, if you have, uh, what's it called? Uh, Sears, all that. I mean, yeah. I'm naming off, like, Sears and or Roebuck? And or Roebuck, yeah, okay. Bamburgers. <laughs> you are reaching for, for pre, pre-Melnick birth times, for crying out loud. Have, what about Ames? Mm. We got Lloyd's. Oh, boy. In our own area, Jam- Sullivan's. Jam- wow. Okay. James Way. Okay. But anyway. Fine. You know, people probably forget about the X-Men, though, because you know it's far back in the alphabet. Well, depending on which direction it's you're going in the alphabet, I mean, yeah. Joe. I mean, people like the Avengers A first letter. But like I was saying, you go to the, all those stores and you'll see Deadpool merchandise, even for children. Oh, so, absolutely. When I hear no one remembers these characters, I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. And then you look at you know my generation, you know Joe's with the X Men of the 1990s cartoon, you know, and you yourself, you had the Claremont run. I did. So I do. Mm-hmm. that was very prevalent. Prominent, so, prevalent. That too. But when I hear that, no one remembers, I kind of call foul on that. Well, you know, I think too, though, the cartoons today are pretty terrible on television for uh, superhero stuff, at least in my opinion. I get that. I, I watch it with the cousins sometimes. I'll be flipping through it. And, you know, sometimes not with the cousins if I'm just sitting around the house and there's nothing better on. And, uh, you know, I'll flip through it. I'm like, man, this is terrible. I would say, though, Spider-Man... <laughs> but back does... in our day, we had some good animated uh, cartoon series between Spider-Man, the original X-Men cartoon. You but know? Spider-Man, even now, the Ultimate Series or Venomverse or whatever they're calling it right now, 
all of the Spider-Man cartoons are solid, and Spider-Man really has never had a downturn in terms of quality. Would yeah, you? Would I was you agree? just saying, as far as X-Men, I don't see too many. I mean, occasionally you'll see Wolverine or something. My uh, Spider-Man cartoon knowledge goes with the original series in '67. Spider-Man and, and Friends. Spider-Man and Friends. That's it. But again, you know, when they added uh, Firestar, and they were quality shows. Yeah. And so again. I think, like, in regards to superhero shows, I am in agreement with you about that because there are a lot of terrible animated cartoons in regards to the superhero genre. But Spider-Man still somehow always finds a way to luck out. I have another question, too, though. The Spider-Man cartoon 1967, mm-hmm. what channel did that come on? That I'm actually curious about. <sighs> because I would... Either, either it was on f- what was what would now become Fox 5, WNYW, I believe, or perhaps WPIX. Channel 11 for us locally. Yeah, so I would say for that too. I mean, you know, th- those channels were accessible to pretty much everyone that had a TV. I think Whereas so. Today, Set you of rabbit have ears. Yeah. Extensive cable packages to probably get a number of these cartoons. Just saying. Yeah. It's probably more money in selling them than than putting them on like a, a boomerang channel or uh, the other one that's um, like that. I'm curious. By the way, you just mentioned boomerang. Do you have boomerang? I think it's on our lineup. So I'd say, have you ever seen the uh, Fantastic Four Hanna-Barbera cartoon on there? Oh, very, very little. And not even when it first came out. That's, I yeah. remember watching that in like 1995 when they yeah. were on Cartoon Network. Right, right. I and, just remember Johnny Quest, man. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. The, Fanta- the Fantastic Four cartoon from the 90s was, or not the 90s, from the uh, 60s was really solid. And it's one of those shows, you will never see that get an official release. Wait a minute. That was the movie also from 94. <laughs> but I'm saying in regards to now especially. Yeah, yeah. Because that is tangled up with Warner Brothers. Oh. Yeah. So sure do is. they really want to share a piece of the pie with Disney? No. Take too long to untie Reed Richards' stretchable form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This guy over here. That's yeah. exactly right. right. Yeah. yeah, so uh, I guess I'll try to make an acceptable transition uh, and take it back to uh, the main event. Or are we still warming them up? Well, I wanted to also talk a little bit about the uh, E3 thing and the... Uh, More E3. Yeah. Oh, E3. Coming it's your way. Because we got to watch something right before this uh, recording started. What oh. did we watch? The yeah. trailer for the Avengers game that's going to be coming out for Xbox One, PS4, uh, I believe PC. I think it's going to be coming to the uh, Google uh, device, Astradia, I want to say. But like, it's coming to all these different devices. And... Peter and all his devices. I, we, yeah, I don't know what, what, the, do we what know? the Google device is. I just type it in a web browser, man. Oh. But anyway. <laughs> you know more than I. That's okay. Watching that, I was actually really excited, but I am in agreement with the general consensus on the internet. It does not look that good facial model-wise. It's not the greatest thing I've ever seen, But I, and I've heard some people go on saying it looks like a PS3 game. PS3 still had pretty damn impressive graphics for what it was. But to say it looks like that, that's just delusional. Well, I mean, I know we love graphics and everything, and it's all wonderful, but at this point, I don't think there's too much more we can really get. uh, And and so for me, I think that the gameplay part of it would have to be what's most important. Exactly. Uh, You know, and so, because I've seen some really great, you know, games. I mean, you know, I love playing those, uh, I used to play those Call of Duty games, and, you know, they'd have the exceptional graphics and stuff, but you'd be done with the game in like five minutes. Uh, Hmm. And you're like, okay, well... That was beautiful graphics, but only you know didn't last for long. So yeah, and I mean, when I was playing Spider-Man for the PS4, just an absolutely gorgeous game, and 
it's a game that is coming out towards the end of the console's life because I believe like right now they're announcing Xbox Scarlet, which is going to be the new Xbox system. Oh, I thought it was just going to be like 720. Who knows? But where'd they get 720 from? I know because it. actually I skipped over Xbox One. I guess it'd be Xbox Two. The uh, second Xbox system was called the Xbox 360. For some reason they called it that. So when you multiply it by two, <gasps> 720. That's the, that, yeah, that's the Ooh, joke of it. Okay. I've heard that joke a million times, so I'm just like, I'm already desensitized to so it. So tune into the uh, the special edition of The Marvelous on July 20th, where they talk all about the unexisting Xbox. 720, uh-huh. It'll be great. I don't know where I'll be, but okay. Mm-hmm. In Panama. 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 Van Halen, I like Florida or like the country? Off the, off, I like the song. Off the topic, just based on you bringing up Van Halen, there's this link to a guy... Uh, like these, you know, there was a bachelor party and they're playing Van Halen full blast. Mm-hmm. And David Lee Roth was walking past the door and he heard that. Knocks on the door, goes, "Hey guys!" And they had no idea who he was. <laughs> well, you know the way he looks now, sure. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah. He didn't. Ha- he didn't. I guarantee you, he was so bummed out he didn't exude much charisma. <laughs> charisma. <laughs> That's good. That's good. But I, I just feel, you know, looking at that Avengers game, it does look really cool. I'm just wondering where is Hawkeye. Because you look at the lineup and no Hawkeye was in there. Correct. So he'll uh, be back for the sequel. It'd be nice, but I mean, in all honesty, like the way the game looks, it's pretty okay. That is using the in-game engine, so it's like when you have a video game nowadays, you have the actual gameplay which looks really nice, and then you have like special-made CGI scenes where it's like generated on a computer, yada yada yada. The stuff you saw was how the game is, like the character models and everything. So mm-hmm. to see that based just out of the game itself and not, you know, special cutscenes and stuff like that, that's cool. It's good to get that out there so we can uh, be interested in it, those who are into that stuff. But I mean, you have to do this stuff because otherwise yeah. people will forget the Avengers, Eddie. Exactly. The event, the who? What? Yeah. who? Mm-hmm. And wait a minute, that guy on that shirt you're wearing, he's like got magnets and stuff. What is What's his name? Magneto or something? Eric. Let's just go with Eric. Betrays him again. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. Mm-hmm. But that's for the special version. Baby. It's an odd combination of characters on this T-shirt, yes. And the final thing in regards to just E3 and the gaming and all that stuff, they just announced that there's going to be these arcade cabinets. If you go like to Walmart or Target or wherever. Wait, arcade? He was a bad guy. You stop that. True. X-Men. Stop that. Stop that. In, a, in a white suit. I call him Disco Joker. Disco Joker. Okay, fine. He's, in all honesty, or he's a video actually, game kingpin. Pinball more a little bit, right? What? Arcade. Pin- he's more into pinball and stuff like that, like with his traps and stuff. Pinball, funhouse, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. But Arcade, in my opinion, by the way, is one Mirrors of Mirrors that distort. He is one of the most underrated Marvel villains of all time, and I wish people would use him more in their stories. And deadly. Yeah. You know. With his murder world. He was great in the uh, Avengers Arena storyline and cannot recommend that stuff enough. Okay. On the list. No, it won't be. <laughs> it's there. I possess it. He'll get to it eventually. One day. Yeah. One sweet day. I'm actually curious, Eddie. In Panama. <laughs> what What are you up to right now in your uh, arduous oh, b- list the, of books to read? There is n- there's no sense of direction where things are going now, so... There's there's boxes of things that are short little runs. Like, okay, this could be kind of coming up next. This could be that, you know, whatever. But in the little segment that I only did one episode of, and that is a video of what sh- what I'm reading. You should have done more because I actually like that. Um, well, no, it's 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 not forgotten. It's it's just been 
tossed to the back burner for now. Just, but like, I, the, just like the topic that we had originally of the arcade machines, that yeah. was tossed to the back burner. <laughs> yes, it was. I did that one pretty good, didn't I? Okay, yeah. yeah. But before we— Captain before... America Core, a five-issue little run, <laughs> that's where I started and did not continue with. Right. Uh, I also started the 1985 Rocket Raccoon reading with 1985? a— 1985, okay, Rocket so Raccoon. So 95 for some reason. No, 85. That's where it is. Mike Mignola. Mignola. Well, do you Rewind. know, just as a side note, do you know where you can find a sense of direction? Tell them where. Oh, jeez, Joe, no. In the Sullivan County Democrat, we have a columnist every two weeks called a sense but of direction. But in between, you're lost, right? Okay. Yes. Every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Only, so the, only every two weeks. That's the only. Wow. So now, anyway, going back over to the arcade thing. Yes. The thing about that that I'm really excited about is they're doing two arcade cabinets. You end up basically buying these things for $300, and you set them up yourself, put the guts in and all that stuff, and make the arcade cabinet. They've done things like, I believe, uh, Pac-Man, Mrs. Pac-Man, Ms. Uh, Galaga, Ms. Pac, sorry, Ms. Pac-Man, Galaga, what else? Like, just stuff like that from, like, the 80s and Caterpillar? the 90s. Caterpillar? I don't know. Centipede? They, I think they have done Centipede. Okay. I've seen that one. They've done uh, Super Street Fighter. Things like that. And when I went to Toy Fair, I made a comment to them. I go, you know, I'd really love to see, like, some licensed products. You know, different, you know, maybe uh, different, like, brands. Like, you know, different arcade games. Like a like a movie or a video or, you know, a comic book or whatever. And you I said go, that to just one Who works at that, you particular, know, vendor. Okay. And I go, have you guys considered doing Marvel? Because there's a lot of stuff with Marvel. If you if you have the Capcom license right now, you can get some of the Marvel versus Capcom games. And they go, we cannot confirm or deny at this time. And this was back in February, so I kind of got I found out months ago that they were in the works for this. But basically, it's going to be a cabinet featuring. See, the short answer would have been, "How dare you!" It's going to be Marvel superheroes, The Punisher. And I believe X-Men, Children of the Atom, which is another fighting game. Mm-hmm. But I will find out. Even in as a kids, they're fighting. This is terrible. It's honest. Like, those were, like, staples of my childhood. So to be able to see these again on, you know, a, a format like that, that's cool to see. Yeah. And they're also doing, if, you know, you're a fan of it, the Ninja Turtles. They're doing Ninja Turtles 1 and 2. Tur- I think it's Turtles in Time. So if you want to play those games, you can. No, yeah, not to be confused with what the movie titles. I guess was it Secret of the Ooze? Was and there the was Turtles one? in Time for number three. Which okay, was an I'm happy. Movie. I remembered what I just said. So. They're not very well. You got Vanilla Ice, so it kind of pumps it up a little bit with the Ninja rap. Oh, ninja, is that right? Ninja rap. No, I see. I'm thinking T U R T L E Power. Yeah, I think he did that too, didn't he? He probably no, did two. No, that was I there. believe Partners in Crime, 1993. I'm gonna say. That was a top 40 hit. See? Yeah. Like I, Post Malone. That comment just made me say, wow, Peter. <laughs> wow. That's wow. Owen Wilson, Peter, not Post Malone. It's almost like Post Malone and Wilson. <laughs> Post Malone Wilson? Yeah. Okay. But anyway, yeah. So seeing all that stuff, the uh, retro stuff, and again, tweet at me at Peter Melnick if I got it wrong. You know, just let me know that the third game was actually whatever the hell. I don't care. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. But tweet at me. And tell me I'm wrong. Tweedly or if he's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes you'll hear about it if you're wrong more so than when yeah. you're right. Oh, trust me, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it spans all kinds of media. Yes. Yes. I was correct, by the way. X-Men Children of the Atom. So no okay. need to tweet at me. I did see in a in a restaurant, um, oh gosh, it was actually on a trip in Florida, uh, in, I don't know, some 
gaming type area that they had in there, and uh, there was an X Men video game. Yeah, or an arcade type it was, style game. It was probably the uh, 1980s one, and it has like Dazzler in there. You get to play as her, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Storm, mm-hmm. and it features because the game was made in Japan, and when a game comes from Japan to America, you have to translate it. You have to you know mix up all the audio and everything, and some things There's can get currency exchange and stuff too. Some lines in the game can get lost in translation, and it led to the most infamous English as they call it. the One of the most infamous lines, when Wolverine shows, or not Wolverine, when Magneto shows up and goes, X-Men, welcome to die. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, well, and yeah, it, sure. It, right. is an, it is an infamous meme in X-Men lore, and I'm honestly surprised they never once made a reference to that in the X-Men movies. Because they could have done something with like that. Because if you got I'm the Juggernaut bitch in X-Men 3... They could have done that. What? What was that for? In you the go, movie, Ooh, I can say bitch. Yeah, no. In the Wolverine, maybe that would have been a spot, definitely to what X Men. Welcome, to, welcome to die. If, yeah. if you know, because it's in Japan, so why not? The six thousand dollars, no, Peter. Sick. Oh, another a second violation. Here we go. Well, shit. We're in the money. Mm-hmm. We're losing money. <laughs> now. I guess let's go over into our movies for the blind segment. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't hear that. No, that's for the deaf. Sorry. Uh, but <laughs> so X Men: Days of Future Past. We're going to continue X Month with this movie. I loved this movie, and I ended up watching it as the Rogue Cut. And there's quite a few differences to my version compared to what Eddie had seen, and. Eddie, regale the audience at home about your experience of having to return the movie. I already had a copy of it, but Peter told me about the rogue cut, and I and I want to ask on a serious note, why was there a rogue cut? So let's either talk that or or table that one. But because the finger thing means money. Oh, that's but right. Let's be honest. Rubbing the tooth, or is that the world's smallest violin playing? Okay. They didn't. Want Ooh, to it's the world's smallest violin, SpongeBob. Oh, is that what that means? Okay. Uh, I was going to say they didn't want to follow the norm, so they went rogue. Hey. You know, he's been getting that a lot. It's an audio podcast, and you can't see it, but he's made my face drop so many times in like the past 24 hours just to... Well, that's a heck of a long time to be with your coworker. Let me tell you what. You should have thought today's scenic, man. That's a conversation for another day. Oh, scenic? Yeah, I took a picture of a bird on a fence, and I said uh, it was at a track meet, so I said uh, full-time bird, part-time track enthusiast. Nice. <laughs> yeah, Peter's face dropped. That's nice. Just me going. Yeah, I actually heard it drop from a floor above. That's pretty cool. Without involving a microphone or damaging some audio equipment. Okay. Uh, we can't uh, confirm or deny that. But yeah, arm bar. So going to try and find the rogue cut. Looked at the back of a, a genuine Blu-ray because the case was in blue, and saw that there were extras to it beyond what my regular DVD was. And said, "Okay, this has got another hour of material." And, it was, and it, it was, was actually 17 minutes more uh, in regards to the road cut. That's about it in the length of the film. Okay, not really knowing that, but uh, less than ten dollars for this thing. Went, got it, opened it, looked at it. The extras, are, 
this is not what I'm looking for. Yeah, and it's it is advertised on the cover as the Rogue. Cup. Yeah, I didn't see those words on this. So that should have been my first mistake. I mean, in all honesty, that's not your fault. You know, you didn't know that. So. Yeah, no, no. So I shame think, him, everyone. No, no, our godson will be the beneficiary because once it's open, you can't uh, do anything yeah. but an exact duplicate exchange. But I didn't want to exchange one for one that was unopened and not do anything with it. Yeah. So our godson, I think, will be what seventeen this year. Will be the beneficiary of that. They just wrap it up in some nice paper. Off it goes. Absolutely. So that, you know, I resolved to say, Peter, too late. You watch it, and you tell us about it, and we'll ask questions. I just YouTubed all the road cuts. Ah. Mm -hmm. For the price of $0. Well, I guess it's in my internet subscription. Basically, most of the road cut, though, it's like new rogue footage, and, you know, I believe there's different line takes. There's new plot scenes. I'll read you this uh, discussion from movie-censorship.com where they talk about, you know, the differences. One thing that I noticed immediately was because the movie is, when it's the rogue cut, it's unrated. So you can do other things in there because it's not rated by the MPAA. Okay. And it includes a scene where uh, Richard Nixon drops an F-bomb. You know, he says that. Pre-Watergate. Yes, this is Pre-Watergate. Yeah, yes. And you have stuff like that. You have, let's see. And I did find, going back, the picture I took of this uh, X-Men arcade game. It's X-Men versus Street Fighter. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. X-Men versus Street Fighter? That yeah. is... Non, non-visual, but for the other podcasters. Oh, very cool. Case, you know, yeah. is, I love stuff like that. Yeah, I could have a whole episode on me and Peter's two Street Fighter battles on the... Uh, Genesis. But and what do you see right next to it, though? Ms. Pac-Man. Waka, 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 waka. It's pretty neat. <laughs> All right, I'm, gonna, I'm basically going to read off a little bit of what this new version entails. Basically, it is safe to say that the Rogue Cut makes the good theatrical version even better. Some fi- fans might not care about the difference, different approach, but a real effort to give the fans another satisfying version was made here. With a length difference of 17 minutes, the Rogue Cut does not only contain the infamous longer Rogue scene... Instead, some scene from the theatrical version are missing now, or they will be solved entirely. First of all, I'd like to go into detail regarding the new Rogue footage. She only appears in the last third of the motion picture and causes a huge drift of events up to the grand finale. At first, there is a rather long sequence in which she gets freed. This sequence, however, has been combined with another sequence. More details in the following paragraph. Ironically, putting in the Rogue character is what could be argued about the most resp-contrary to the other differences. It is the less positive alteration made. Somehow the frantic flight around half the world and the smooth rescue, after this had been not do, uh, not been possible for many years, seems to be too much, and it also lowers the pace before the uh, showdown. Due to a neat montage with Magneto's head scene, later in the theatrical version as standalone scene, some kind of dynamic is generated, and more important, one gets to see Magneto from the past and the future simultaneously in action, which is kind of nice. Any subsequent scene of Kitty from the future taking care of Wolverine now shows Rogue. That way, Rogue is more involved in the events. That it was previously considered too much is still reasonable, though. Let's see. As already implied, there are further new plot scenes. As part of the long Rogue's rescue sequence, there is a new scene with Mystique and Beast in which one gets to see more of Jennifer Lawrence. But more important, it tells us more about the two characters. Same goes for the discussion at the beginning right before the time travel. Apart from Bishop, Blink, and Sunspot now get to state their skepticism responsibility, they now speak as well, contrary to the theatrical version. 
Storm may now demonstrate her strength with that comment. Also, there are several scenes with Iceman and Kitty showing how they feel about each other, plus two interesting moments with Wolverine in the past. For starters, he says goodbye to the acquaintance he has made, and he also has a short conversation with Quicksilver's sister. During the latter, Quicksilver's other twin sister is mentioned as well. So they acknowledge who is Quicksilver's uh, sister, Eddie? Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. Wanda. Certainly none of it is necessary, but it does improve their characteristics. And it can't be emphasized enough that these scenes are not deleted scenes already knows from the previous Blu-ray release. All in all, quite a surprise in a good way. Other than that, there are probably reverse alterations required for the PG-13 rating. Nothing like the huge amount of alterations in Wolverine's solo performance, but of all things, it is a fight scene that shows MPAA typical differences with a length of only a few frames. In the commentary, censorship is not mentioned. Instead, is it explained? It is explained. There we go. Mm-hmm. That the entire is just supposed to entertain, which is why they did not want to overdo it. In retrospect, it is a bit fishy, though. The F-bomb is also in the theatrical version, but only once. And little aside, that's because PG-13, you're only allowed one F-bomb at a time. And I believe X amount of seconds of nudity. So. And that's what happened in Dark Phoenix. Hashtag. Cyclops. Yeah, he actually had his line was cool. I kind of dug that. Yeah, I kind of like whoa. Yeah, <laughs> it took a little start. Yeah, but but called for pretty much in that scene. Yeah, in the road cut, it comes up a second time when Nixon is swearing, and shortly afterwards, he makes a similar comment. Like I said, rather unspectacular, but still some additional value for the road cut. Last but not least, a few removed scenes ought to be mentioned. As one can already assume by the alternate kitty-slash-rogue resolution, the rogue cut does not contain all the footage. For instance, Iceman dies later in the theatrical version. He does not die until the Sentinels appear on the ship, but not during Rogue's rescue. An alteration that perfectly matches the rather dramatic and more present love story between Kitty and him. Another difference is the missing dialogue between Wolverine and Beast, also in the rogue cut but shorter, and as part of an entirely different conversation, plus a few reaction shots surrounding additional dialogue scenes. Another distinctive scene has been replaced as well. Magneto gets drawn from Blink's portal back in the temple. It is Kitty in the rogue cut. Thanks to being displaced by Rogue, she has gotten more strength again. I missed, uh, maybe I'm not hearing something right, Kitty and Kitty and Iceman? Yeah. Well, they kind of teased it in Last Stand. Oh, you okay. Because okay. you want it to be Kitty and Colossus, right? Well, no, that's comic book stuff, but yeah. Uh, but no, I see when when they're on the uh, ice skating, or he makes it the ice skating rink outside the mansion. Yeah. So if they, that's what they're hinting at, yes, then I I see that right because it can't be Iceman and Rogue because she's gonna kill him, if you know unless he stay. And it wouldn't matter if he stayed in ice form because she'd be real cold. Um, yeah. Cold as ice. Yeah. Iceman King Parsons. Ice, ice, baby. There you go. Okay, so then but we have that too. I thought there was um well you know what in future past you don't see a. a much of, of that going on because the biggest thing about Kitty for me is her ability to or has gotten the ability to teleport people through time and phase yeah which by the way I have no. to give a shout out to that person whose image we found on our we found it on another page and I had to share it on the Marvel lists but you, that's where you saw it okay it was uh, this cosplayer recently she did a Kitty Pride cosplay and she the black a, and yellow and she put a brick wall around her torso making it look like she's phasing a section through. of brick wall she's holding on to two sections of it it's incredible yeah, it's, it's great that's when cosplay can be amazing when you can see stuff like that like original concepts and creations mm-hmm. one of my favorite cosplays and I'm not just saying this because you're in the room 
I think you know which one I'm going for. <laughs> go. Eddie go, has go. done a Incredible Hulk cosplay. But it's not just the Incredible Hulk where he's running around in a pair of green you know, or purple shorts. And green face going, err. No, what he I does. I don't have the purple shorts. I don't. <laughs> what he does instead is he ends up painting half of his face green, and the other half is him as Bruce Banner. And it's honestly one of the coolest cosplays I've ever seen because I'm just like, how has no one done this yet? And I got the inspiration from the opening credits of the TV show with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. When they do the opening credits and they freeze and they split screen half of each one's face, I'm like, hey, why not? So half a lab coat, half a, half a pair of one type of pants and another, which is the actual Hulk costume. There you go. Good gamma. And a, Great and, gamma. And a, and a Hulk fist. There you go. And again, it's... And you got... like. I'm planning on resharing this on our Facebook page, but you as that in that costume. Hulk banner. And you're with legendary Hulk artist Herb Trimpey the yeah. weekend before he passed away. Yes. It was 2014, I think. 15. 15. Yes, yes. That's one of those little bit of digression story time. I actually had the ability. We were supposed to do an interview for my old show, Audibly Exquisite, back in the day with Herb Trimpey. And it led to, like... This is why when you go to comic conventions, talk to the creators there. Spend some time with them and just BS with them. Have fun. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, get them to sign some stuff, buy some stuff at their table, whatever. But the other thing is this. You can end up befriending these people and, you know, having conversations. And Herb used to live in the same area as us. Ah, I forgot where exactly. He, lived, he lived in Eldred. In Eldred, yes, in and Sullivan a, County, upstate New York. He mm -hmm. was a teacher there. A teacher, and yes. so we were just sitting there talking to him for a little bit. And I said, "Hey, man, you know, like we we talked not about comics. We didn't talk about this that. We were just talking to him about living in Sullivan County in the area. And like, oh yeah, I used to go over here, here, here. Oh yeah, I'm from over here. Oh, you're from there. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> just like yeah. different things like that. You know, conversations. And one of the things about that was afterwards, I said, you know, the next day I go up to his line, I get on the line, I see him, and he does one thing. And when I say this. I've befriended a lot of people in the comic book industry. Like some people, I'm not going to drop names or anything, but some people I'm just like, wow, I'm actually friends with this person who's responsible for one of my favorite things that I enjoy. But going to this thing, and he was the first one that really made me feel welcome. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And I get on the line and I see him. And he remembers us from the night of, you know, not debauchery, but just, you know, BSing and hanging around and like making, you know, comments. Everyone's drinking, whatever. And even at one point, uh, my old partner, Mike, on the show, he goes, hey, Herb, you want to get Wendy's with us? And Herb almost got him and goes, oh, sorry, my wife wants me to stay. But we <laughs> would have went to Wendy's with Herb Trimpey. I think I was, yeah, I wasn't either. You, you walked by. Okay. Because I was like, Eddie, and you just had like a gigantic box of books. I can't right now. <laughs> oh, I was doing that. <laughs> so I had to put these in a way in the car. <laughs> but anyway, so we're, you know, I get on the line and I see him and his reaction, his comment was this. Looks at, me, looks at me, looks at the line, has a big smile on his face, and he goes, I know this guy! And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. Wolverine, one of Wolverine's like comic book dads knows me. <laughs> and it was just one of the most coolest moments. And then you know we talked for a bit, and I said, hey, obviously we can't talk with you for a podcast right now because look at your line. And he laughs, goes, yeah. I go, we'd love to do something with you. You live in, uh, you live in Kingston. We live in Sullivan County. Let's come to you. Let's do an episode. And just, you know, very, you know, play. He's like, yeah, absolutely. Let me give you my email. He gave me his email. And two days later. Yep. 
I ended up uh, going on Facebook, and Cliff Galbraith, the promoter of East Coast Comic Con, had a post that says, R.I.P. I, I can't believe he's gone. R.I.P. Herb Trimpey. And, like, my heart sank. Sure. Because we wanted to do an episode just, like, talking about Wolverine with him. And it's funny because the whole basis was going to be, Herb, we'll have you on the show when they bring back Wolverine because you know they're going to bring him back in, like, a year or something. They didn't bring him back until 2018. Mm-hmm. So that he passed in 2015. They didn't bring him back for about another three, four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of those wild where you're just like, wow, they really did stick to their guns or claws in this it, moment. It was just a shocker that it was just recently when you told me or I heard however I heard. And I said, wait, wait, we didn't we just see him? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's been gone for so long, but it's still like he's one of those that, you know, you have the memories of. And I realize, again, this episode is about days of future past. But we're talking about days of past. We just so. went past, yes. Mm-hmm. And, again, that's the thing about going to these conventions. Talk to the people. Enjoy yourself and have a good time. Befriend these people. And that's why both you and I, we've befriended a lot of people in comics Yes. Now. And how many of them go up and they'll go, I remember you. Like, they'll just have a conversation with you. Like, we got Joe St. Pierre. Yeah, we've gotten a couple like that exactly, too. And he even told me, Joe St. Pierre, at the, what, second day, I guess, of the Hudson Valley Comic Con in, in Poughkeepsie. Uh, he said at the end of the conversation that I had with him, uh, I enjoy your podcast. Yeah. Un- unprovoked, unsolicited, whatever. He just came out with that, and I, I thanked him. Yeah. And in all honesty, like that's, again, we like being a haven for comic book creators and just people, as long as you love this stuff, like Joe, you, for example, you love a lot of the DC shows. And I realize, yes, you know, one day you're going to start the DCist with Patricio Rabio. Oof. Uh. But. One day, before that happens, you know, we know how passionate you are about these movies and how much you enjoy this stuff as well. And that's why we want to bring like-minded people to the forefront and just discuss this with us. You know us. what? I think he's not, they're not going to follow Marvelous suit and go DC. It's, it's going to be like the DCers. No, they have to be the DCs. No, they well, don't. I, I talked talk re- to Peter. We're going to have, like, we're going to be in a dark room with candles because, you know, the plots tend to be a lot darker in the DC universe. And boring. Uh, but you guys Set off a fire detector. Smoke alarm. Well, you just said uh, dark. Well, never mind. I, I think DC ERS E R S. You can credit me for, or not. Just take it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Something works. I mean, I'm just a part timer at this. Like I said, I watch the movies and that's and the how shows. it starts. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's be honest. Yeah, I did not. I would. If you told me watching Iron Man in twenty or two thousand eight that I'd be doing something like this, I would have thought you were crazy. Mm-hmm. I also would have yelled Stranger Danger because I have no idea who you were back then. So. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there's our past recollection, reflection, connection. So, Days of Future Past. I liked it. Liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Starting off dark because it's night in New York City, and you, you go through the hole in the building and uh, hear Xavier talking about the future, a dark, desolate world. One of the first images I remember, though, after that is seeing a lineup of people who are mutants and the M carved above the eyebrow of at least one person. That was Bishop, wasn't And it? I remember... Among, no, th- in particular, no, it wasn't. But yes, he is the notable one, if you're strictly in the comic books, that has this M, and he's from the future, and it brands them, in a, in a sense, of being, you know, Morlock. Not, Morlock. not homo sapien. Yeah, Morlock. Not homo sapien. They shop at Walmart. But actually, the mutant market is homo superior. It should be noted as well. I think we learned that in one of the very first X-Men issues, actually, with Magneto. Interlude for Peter's phone. <laughs> um, th- there's an early part of someone actually finding an X, 
metallic X in the dirt. I don't know if it was supposed to be a buckle of some kind, and it helps establish you're in the future now, and it ain't pretty. Is the future truly set? And here come the opening titles, and we uh, we go to the future in in Moscow, and we see half of the. Uh, isn't it the? We uh, see battle? half. Of the, well, it's yeah. It's when the Sentinels are going to come. The enhanced ones now. We see half of the characters that matter and half the ones that don't get developed. And, you know, at some point we actually hear names and you have to kind of match them up if you don't know who Warpath is, who Blink is. Of course, Bishop, like you said. I thought it was Sunspot. Sunspot, yeah. So, Kitty Pride is there and Colossus and Iceman. My biggest grievance with these movies is you have characters that don't get developed, but they're just like, hey, let's just throw this character on the screen for no reason. And I've seen it with Psylocke. Psylocke was a useless character, but she was there. Mm-hmm. You have Bishop, who was there. You have all of these characters. Why don't we know anything about them other than, hey, they're Bish- he, this guy's Bishop, and look how big and strong he is. Is Bishop the guy where he was like, give me the power or something, and they shot him with something, and then he got power and well, started shooting from Storm gave him, gave him some, transferred some lightning to him, and he stored it in his body and was able to then uh, expel it or shoot it out of uh, this big cannon-like gun that he was holding. But again, if that's what you mean, yeah, he's also a time traveler. But this movie mm. glosses over just to be like, "Hey, here's Bishop for no reason. He's a time traveler. You have this, have that." I but think, they don't. I, you know, I'll, I'll try to, and I'm not trying to defend anybody, but I think something like that is done for the purists, for the comic book fans who will know who these are. But for the sake of money, more than anything else, and time, they can't develop these characters so in, so much. In that instance, then, shouldn't the MCU be throwing characters like, hey, let's throw uh, Speedball in here for no reason. Let's throw Moon Knight. Well, no, we got to save him. You know, let's throw in Fool Killer, just random characters. I wouldn't want to see that. I think that's mm-hmm. doing the characters a disservice, and it's also doing an audience a disservice by just being like, hey, we're going to insult your intelligence and just throw these characters out here for the purpose of no reason. They're just an ancillary character that isn't needed, you know? You get to see a little bit of who they are and what they do. That's it. That's that's your development. That's not a development, then. It's a, it's a cameo. That, that's that's what that, you call it. To be politically I, correct, maybe. I guess it could be Cinematography correct. If, if that's the case, then that's fine. But I just feel there's so much wasted potential with so many of these characters, you know? Like you have um, Gambit in, I believe... Uh, X-Men Origins, Wolverine. Yeah. Mind you, that whole movie was a disservice, but... Uh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm not going into that. Three out of five? I don't know. <laughs> we, did we do that series? No, we did not. Okay. But uh, the idea just... I don't know, just throwing a character in for the purpose of no reason is a bummer. Like, I'm we're going to get into it more when we cover it, but we both saw Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. We did. Separately. The air conditioning was really nice in that building. I got to tell you that. What was the post you said? If there's one movie over this season that you're going to see, Dark it's Phoenix certainly is an def- option. It's certainly an option. Oh, it's, it's a purveyor of nothingness. I mean, yeah, that, because <laughs> the movie was too. Yeah, I mean, for those who don't, uh, you know, follow Peter, which I'm sure everyone here does. What? Probably uh, not. Uh, but, you know, to get the rating that he gave that movie, like, you have to understand. I gave Brightburn a 2 out of 10. I mean, he gives, like, some movies, like, you know, like, 8 out of 10 is his average. So when you get one that's significantly less than that, now you're like, okay. I mean, I literally looked at my plans for the next month, and I was like, man, do I want to see this movie? Because if Peter's giving it a 5 out of 10. The worst part is I'm going to have to see the movie again, and God bless AMC A-list. So I'm probably bringing you along with me to see that. He's talking to Joseph. I mean, I might not 
problem for me to be in there as well. So, because I liked it better than, and I usually do. So, there. Fantastic Four uh, 15 didn't have a pants on the thing. Right. Three out of five. Bad, <laughs> Bad move. Bad move. Mm-mm. But overall, I just feel... Central City. No. In mm-hmm. regards to characters that don't have much development in Dark Phoenix, what is the purpose of Nightcrawler? Nightcrawler had plenty of de- character development he had in plenty, X-Men 2. He had, well, so then you had him established. But no, because that's a different of, actor, different portrayal. He had a lot of work. So I have a question when you well, do... It was, a younger, it was a younger version. Of course, a different actor. No different timeline. You remember back in school when teachers would subtract a point for every time you didn't capitalize a letter that was supposed to be capitalized? Ooh. Like, how many points or half of points or a quarter of points do you subtract for every character that's not developed? <laughs> stop that. <laughs> I just, good. He gets to stop that. I, Yay. I just feel, I'm off the hook. I just feel the idea that using all these characters is a waste of time because if Marvel Studios doesn't do that, why should why should these people get a pass on that? Marvel well, Studios doesn't do it. Who else is going to do it by gum? And there's a lot of characters. There are characters in the MCU that are not fully developed. Like you look at the first Incredible Hulk, the leader. The leader is a waste of a character. Well, well, just curiosity Mr. here. Blue. In the scene at the beginning when they're fighting the, uh, the Sentinel things. Um, now, who if you if you said that all these characters were there that weren't developed. Then what? How do you suggest they do that scene? Would you have strictly Who's just fight kept him? it to Iceman, Colossus, and Kitty, like the yeah, three right. of them, and Storm? Yeah, and Storm. Would you like rather have just kept it to those four because yeah. we already knew who they were, or not so much that you can introduce new characters and do subtle, like you know, exposition ways of introducing who the character is, what they're about? Because I thought the storytelling element was the more people you include that are getting their break speed off of them by these Sentinel machines mm-hmm. shows just how dangerous they are. I get that, but mm-hmm. it makes also characters look expendable. Yeah, I mean, they, well, those were the expendable bunch because later yeah. on in in the helicopter. Well, I mean, come on, Blink. Thing, Blink is know? a character that just you know the name just rolls off the tongue. It's just like such a prominent character. Yeah. Well, are you saying Eddie, that her character Eddie, just went on the screen in the blink of an eye? Stop that! But that was good. But anyway, Eddie owns plenty of Blink T-shirts. I mean, whenever I go over to Eddie's house, I'm just like, Eddie, why do you have so many Blink shirts? He's just like, I just can't get enough of her. Do you consider it a tra- travesty that she wasn't on the screen for 182 travesty seconds? Travesty that he made that comment. That's a travesty. Jeez. I enjoyed that reference. <laughs> that was a Blink-182 reference you out there. You don't say. <laughs> for all you fans of early 2000 alternative yeah, music. That's, that's pop punk. Pop punk? Okay. I could have just dropped in the name, but that's all I could tell you. That's fine, Eddie. All the small things, Eddie. Oh, What's th- my age again? <laughs> That was another song by Blink-182 oh, okay. off of the 1999 that, album, yeah, Enema yeah, yeah. of the State. Okay. Which and you, turns 20 this year. And and you were upset yeah. that uh, that they just, like, or someone was upset that they with, like, Kitty and Iceman that they skipped the first date. I'm not going to be upset over that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, like I said. I was keeping the Blink-182 references alive, Peter. I, I just, again, if you can do a Marvel movie where the main characters, the heroes, are all fleshed out, there's no excuse on the other end. I think that's, again, to quote Deadpool in Deadpool 2, that's lazy writing. Ah, that's lazy writing. Hmm. Even in Deadpool, all the characters had, for the most part, fleshed out stories. Yeah. Ajax, you had, uh, or Francis, you had uh. Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Uh, what's oh, that's it? what Teenage Angst was? Yes. Oh, okay. You have Colossus, where he's, you know, the goody two-shoes, but again... That personality and that persona is fleshed out much more. Well, I have a question for you, by the way. 
How many points did you subtract from Stop X-Men it. Days of Future Past <laughs> because Colossus didn't have a Russian accent? 87, Joe. How about that? Like 87 or 0.87? Well, now you know what I'm going to yeah, go right. with. I'm going to go. What was the uh, first issue post uh, Giant Size X-Men? 90. Per- first issue post? Yes, where they started off with Claremont writing. 93, Four. 94. 94. That's I, the, that's I the subtracted big 94 issue. points, yeah. Joe. Okay. 94, yeah. Exactly. 87. What a year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't born yet. Yeah. He was a figment of our imaginations. Fig Newton. Yeah. Oh, those yeah. are delicious. Yes, they are. There's one movie uh, with, uh, what's his name? The big guy with the big schnoz from uh, Breakfast Club. You know, with the um, the bully. He goes, yeah, at the end. Remember him? Judd Nelson? Yes, Judd Nelson with the spooky uh, schnoz. He, uh, spooky schnoz. Okay. Well, look at his nostrils. Eight, I, I guess. But if anyway, you're, if you're looking up and up, up, up. Anyway, up yeah. the point of this useless anecdote is he did a movie, and at the end, of, or in one scene, they had these fig Newtons, but they were called pig Newtons. They were. Yeah. Hey Peter. Yes, Joe. You know, in 1987, my character wasn't developed. <laughs> I feel like this is gonna be a running joke throughout the episode, isn't it? <laughs> I hope not. Just let it stop right here. John's not editing to no. <laughs> Just decided to go home. I stopped running and decided to go home. Eddie being the chaperone Forrest. of this uh, of this podcast is like, all right, guys. The senior member of this is what it is. So I wanted to get to the line senior? where we start hearing, um, well, we start hearing some some you know, questionable language, although it is well uh, input into this part of the movie. And the Sentinels are about to get to who's left now here in the future. And it's, I believe, Kitty who has her hands hovering between the head of Bishop who she, you know, with the time travel thing, and I guess the professor is in there as well, and says, too late, assholes, as they're about to fire Language. plasma burst at, you know, the sentinels at, at them, and they vanish. And the room is quiet, dark, empty, you know, whatever. Uh, but we're talking about going back to, what, the year 1973 here, and uh, Bolivar Trask. Who, by the way, was recast in this movie. It was originally... Um the actor was a person of color. I forgot his name, but he was in, I want to say, X-Men 2? Mm. 2 or 3. He was in the original trilogy. They recast him as, uh, what's his name from uh, Game of Thrones? Peter. Peter Dinklage. And How could you not know another Peter? Peter, Peter. Peter Gunn. Pumpkin Eater. I hated that so much. Peter Cottontail. That was fine because I like rabbits. Okay. You know, in Game of Thrones, I heard his character was really developed. Okay, could you stop? <laughs> But overall, like I said, Two. with, uh, what's it called, with Peter Dinklage's character, <laughs> it led to one of my favorite lines in the whole movie, and I love how over the top it was, and it's just such a cheesy line. Is that a new scarf? It's nice. Just such, it's so That wasn't weird. even him, though. That was a mistake. No, I, I get that, but I just love, it's yeah. nice. Yeah. I just yeah. liked how, like, happy he got when, 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 well, when, I mean, when, when, when young William Stryker was like, do you hate mutants? Why do you hate mutants so much? He's like, I don't hate mutants. In fact, I find them fascinating. And he gets all excited. That was my... Uh, yeah, my I kind of remember that too. Yeah, but I the scarf line, yeah, exactly. Just, you know? It's such a random line and just the, the inflection and delivery is so perfect. Yeah, not so much because I don't think you have a facial expression in that. He's, he's turned, he's walking down yeah. the hallway or something. But to hear that, you know, well, she's trying to adapt in his character. And I think, but but I think the woman, the receptionist, has an odd look like, why would he say that about, you know, why would he be paying attention? Uncharacteristic. It's, it's nice. Yes, exactly. Very nice, Peter. Which is, Thank you, which is is kind it, of now fun. Now, is that Southern? It's very nice. Oh, no, so, sorry. Bless your heart is the one with the Southerns. We'll save that for another episode, Peter. 
Well, we find out early in this movie that is because of Mystique uh, and uh, and or Raven being captured, tortured. Her DNA this helped to create the Sentinels, uh, which is labeled as the day she truly became Mystique, because her whole purpose now was to kill Trask and stop this program from happening. Now, I, I gotta I gotta rewind a bit in regards to the recasting. How do you feel about Peter Dinklage playing the role of Bolivar Trask? I think that's actually perfect casting because he himself is an outcast of society with his short stature and all that. And he's the one, you know, pointing the gun of society or whatever at the mutants. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a contradiction in terms there, in a sense. So, sure. He he was bullied his whole life, so he's going to be the bully instead. He's going to be, quote-unquote, the bigger man. I realize, yes, I did the pun. Yes, you did done did done, did did done do that. Did you and spit into a spittoon just now? <laughs> no, just into the air, and it was fine, and it was dry. It was not a problem. That is a uh, <laughs> contradiction in terms again. Um, and we don't know if there was a motivation of fear, or just like you, I think intimated of um getting back, revenge, retaliation, insecurities of the character. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So I think that was well done. So bravo there. And again, he's. Peter Dinklage is a phenomenal actor, and if you've seen him on Game of Thrones, you already know that. And I haven't seen the last episode of Game of Thrones, so I'm not going to be a fanboy and bitch about a movie or something that, you know, I can always just shut off. I think he's also got, and I don't know if he's done much in terms of voice work, but I think if you didn't know who this person was, maybe just heard him in whatever speaking role, you would think he is kind of larger than life. He was in a punk band at one point. Oh, really? Okay. But I think, though, if you just heard him that way, he would have such a big presence vocally that to see, no, this isn't him, you know, if you were if you were in that scenario. And, of course, this also would not be Peter Dinklage's final, you know, role in regards to a no. Marvel character. He'd play, go on to play Sweetums in uh, Infinity War. Sweetums. <laughs> I love you guys. His name is Sweetums? I like to think of him as, as uh, Sweetums. Oh, okay. I thought he was just a really tall guy that makes golden things. <laughs> Stormbreaker, right? Yes, that's where I'm going with that. Uh, yeah, all more right. more gruff, I think. Yeah, but good job by Peter Dinklage in this movie. Thank I agree you, with Peter. One Peter to another. Yeah, his character was very developed. <sighs> Stop that. Not that it's an irony thing, but when Wolverine is going to be the one that's being sent back through time, Kitty says this this will hurt. A, this may hurt a little. Might sting a little. And Wolverine just all outright howls and stuff. Next thing you know, we're looking at a lava lamp. And you're hearing Roberta Roberta Flack. First time ever I saw your face. Peter, and it is from 1973. What? What's that? I, said, I think Peter should have sang us that line. Sorry, yeah, but no, I think Eddie's no. the more and, suitable choice. And, oh, oh, heck I have a good no. singing voice. Maybe somewhere else, but not here. The first time I ever saw. Anyway. Yeah. That's the Roy yeah. Rogers version. Yeah. It's crossed genders and vocal ranges too yeah. many at the same time. I'm pretty damn good at it, too. And there, behold, there's Logan Butt. When he it's, gets, not, no, it's not Spider Butt. He gets out of Yeah, I know. Different thing altogether. Yep. Uh, He's supposed to be guarding the boss's daughter, not screwing her, is the line. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we see Bone Claws, which we like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is before this stuff happened. And seeing uh, the Bone Claws, I've always been more intrigued by him when he has the bone claws than when he has the actual adamantium. I think that's such a much cooler look. It's a lot... It's organic. It's organic, but it's also just... It's creepier, and it adds to yes. the uh, horror element of the X-Men. 
Yes, and, and I mean that is. character development, Joe of the Claws. They're all pointy and sharp. That's it's development, Joe. I agree, Peter. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Riveting. What we you see that Riveting? You... No, well, I mean Toad is in the movie. Perfect. Yeah, you you can tell by the long, far-reaching, tensile tongue. What you see, what you may not used to be seeing, or depending on how old you are, is a phone booth. How about that for one? And and the light and the car that he takes from one of the guys, and it's the rabbit's foot on the keychain, but the license plate says "You Lucky," because it's a pimp car. It sure looks like one. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to give a visual for our listeners at home who have not watched the movie that they should have watched in the first place. Yes, I agree. Spoilers for the movie you're listening to right now. Right, right. Uh, let me cut to the nation's capital where they're talking defenses, weapons, coexisting, all that kind of stuff. And well, there it's is like some, we're really there. And there is some kind of, um, well, there is tie-in. There's this continuity. And it's said that there hasn't been an incident in over 10 years. And, you know, after what happened in Cuba, that was never confirmed. They're a tenth of a tenth of a tenth of our population, i.e. the mutants. And uh, Dr. Trask being told the Sentinel program just ain't going to fly. Well, I mean, they can fly. They kind of have a little jetpack. Exactly packs. right. So. That's what happens. There's some irony there. Atlantis Morissette. And by the way, the character design of the uh, Sentinels, they don't look exactly like the comics, but no. they are as close to humanly possible as making that version look good. You yeah, know? and I think they did go to some lengths to, to try and replicate that, even to the coloring of a purplish nature, which is good. Well, I think the first we ever saw wasn't that in the Danger Room sequence in one of the previous X-Men movies? I believe so. Where you had the uh, Colossus and Wolverine fastball special and the cutting off of the head of the Sentinel. Yeah. And, that, yeah, and that was the scene where both you and I were talking. I'm like, wow, I thought I was watching a Days of Future Past scene. And then yeah. he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it was that was a really nice callback scene. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, uh, or, uh, you know, a reference to the audience where you're just like, if you're a hardcore comics fan, you know, oh, my God, you guys. It's a two-parter, days, a future, past. Yeah, Joseph's looking like I'm thinking Made the wrong me. choice. I, I guess so. How did I end up here? How did I end up here? Mm-hmm. Said that right one turn foot, at Albuquerque. One foot before the other. Well, wrong turn at North Carolina. North Carolina. Oh, okay. I appreciate that reference, Peter. Thank you. So, yeah, it's just a reference to your life. Hiking back cool. home. Way, way back home. I like that voice though. That was good, Peter. Thank you. It's like uh, it's like borderline Carol Channing. It's like uh, they're taking the yellow brick road to a better future of character development, or just life, where they're not all dead. And <laughs> yeah, I, I just I really dug the uh, the character design of the Sentinels in this, and I feel by doing a it's like almost like a streamlined version. And I also appreciated the aspect of that the Sentinels were not these larger-than-life kind of figures where you have, like, a little guy sitting inside, like, yep, I'm piled in. This is my job. Cause <laughs> like Transformers? Essentially, yeah. I actually saw a mm. tweet recently, and it was one of my favorite things. Uh, if a Transformer dies, can you repurpose the body as a car? Respectfully, of course. Um, Possibly. I don't know. Would you? Well, like in this a, movie, a dead, Magneto trans- repurposed the Sentinel. I, Would who repurposed the Sentinels? Magneto. So that he could control them. He did for a little point in in this in yeah. this movie, and I don't know what point that actually was. I mean, I saw that he was doing that, but then it was turning 
or it got the Sentinel may have gotten somehow rebooted and saw Magneto also as a mutant to which he ripped the crap out of the Sentinel and he just became a bunch of scraps. And a Pile box scraps, in a cave. That's right. A box in a cave, that's right. I'm not Tony Stark. And you got an arc reactor. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I was I was I was expecting that one. Okay. I was I was listening to uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, the new podcast from Conan. And he does uh, an interview with Dana Carvey, and he's talking about Jeff Bridges, who was, uh, what's his name, uh, Obadiah Stane. Obadiah Stane, yeah. And he always make, he made the comment that uh, Jeff Bridges always sounds like he's eating a lot of food. Okay. <laughs> so now every time I hear Jeff Bridges talk, I'm just imagining him like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get an old roll in my movie. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a fact? Okay. You heard it here. It's a Subway sandwich so in there. So sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Footlong. Is that another Peter? No, that was not Peter. That was Jared. We don't speak of the subway spokesperson. Yeah, please never speak about that ever, ever. <laughs> well, you remember what happened to him? Um, it didn't turn out so well. He's a pedophile. <laughs> oh, that. Oh. And he's in prison. What just happened to this I show? Just... <laughs> Back to mutants. So, how yes. about them muties, huh? Please. Their mutants are in the quarantine area in Saigon, and this is where we see Havoc again. We also see Toad with the goggles. I guess so his, they do nothing. The, well, his eyes are very sensitive to the light, I the suppose. I, I, thought, I thought they did a nice job with Toad. No one got my Simpsons right. He got the warts, you know. Well, sorry. We're, that was after me. I thought he looked more comic book Toad than the Toads in the first two X-Men yeah, movies. maybe. I actually liked uh, this version of the character because it looked a lot more... Uh, Again, horror. He was, he was all warty, warty on his face. So sure, you know, he's toad and just creepy. He looked really creepy. and major uh, striker, as we come to find out. And Raven, she says, "That's not my name now." And she's on her own. Um, that's right. And she didn't uh, board the plane to fly back to uh, to where everybody else was. So we're twenty minutes into the movie now, right? That sounds somewhere about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we're kind of we... going around because you know we talked about par- like DC a little bit. Yeah, we are. We are. But we get we get the establishment of now that um, Logan is back in time and he finds the school. It's been closed for years. Uh, he gets his way in the door and, and convinces Hank McCoy that they're going to be best friends. They just He just doesn't know it yet. Gets to see the professor who can walk because... Doesn't he punch Beast, by the way, if I remember correctly? He does yeah. so that he can f- further get into the door and, and look for Charles. To, to help because he's been sent back by Charles and Eric Magneto to find his younger self to help what's going to happen in the future from not happening. And I got to tell you, I really love looking at a 1970s Charles Xavier because he looks like he's on a coked out binge just going around, you yeah. know, hanging out like with uh, Hunter S. Thompson. He's essentially an alcoholic. Yeah. And, and can, yeah. but can walk, but because of the fact that Hank has developed a serum that will keep him walking. Whereas if he's off the serum, then his powers of mental telepathy and everything will come back. It's kind of a trade-off. I'm curious, because you had mentioned in the last episode that in regards to uh, Xavier getting shot in the back, Mm -hmm. that that brought that emotional response from you. Oh, yeah. How does it make you feel where they kind of negate that a little bit by giving him the ability to walk through this? uh... Oh, I just accept it for what it is. I'm, I'm fine. But I feel like it does, like that emotional impact you had with that, that's like, Ah, I felt that way for nothing. Cool. He's all right now. No. No, no, no. I know that time has passed. It's been about 10 years since first class finished. And I am I am um, coddled, satisfied with the fact that he's 
in this depression, this this cocoon, maybe. Of, Wilford Brimley? Of feel, um, 1985 cocoon, I guess it was. Had a boy, Eddie. Was that movie? Okay, fine. Joe's just nodding politely. And he and he's just, you know, he's wrapped up in his own guilt from what's happened. He does not want to be able to read minds or have any any other's mind thoughts intruding on his own. He's just wallowing in um, misery, essentially. Unlike the movie Misery? No, no. Misery, misery. That's all you've caused me. Green Goblin to Spider-Man. Okay. Hickory dickory dock. I'm Willem Dafoe doing nursery rhymes in a... Avenge me! (laughs) (laughs) There, I said it. Okay? You knew that had to come back someday. I didn't think that would come back, to be completely honest. Well, it just all of a sudden presented itself, so that's that's that. Pizza time, baby. Pizza time, baby. People do come back at the end of this movie. You know who won't come back? Terrence Howard, because he's apparently getting investigated by the IRS. Yeah, but he said it himself. Next time, baby. That was my <laughs> one of my favorite things about the whole story. Like, he he wasn't paying his taxes. Next time, baby. <laughs> All right, so we're having the setup. We're trying to get uh, Charles back in the game here. And meanwhile, Eric is a hundred floors below ground in the Pentagon, and he ends up where getting, there's no metal. And he ends up getting rescued from there thanks to his son. Well, they allude well, to that, Chris Evans. which I thought. No, not Chris Evans. Chris uh, Evan Peters, sorry. Evan, but my Evans, sorry. In regards to the character of uh, Quicksilver, Quicksilver is one of my favorite characters in this whole movie, and I forgot how little actual screen time he had compared to you know the way he's built up in the movie, you know. Mm. And let me character development, ha ha ha. But really, I love the I idea to say that. Please. Yeah, I'm sure you weren't. Stop that. But uh, see, you're you're getting the you're not getting it today, Eddie. I'm doing okay here, actually. I think. <laughs> Stop you be that. the judge at home. Vote in, yeah, or not. Stop that. But <sighs> the idea of overall how the character is in this, he's got such a strong development, Joe, but yet he's only in it really for maybe 15 minutes of the total runtime, maybe 10. And it leads to one of my favorite scenes, which... We'll get to. <laughs> when we saw Dark Phoenix, I was severely disappointed that they did not do a third time of doing this. And you know what I'm referring to. A time slowdown? Yeah. Set to a mm. song from the decade. Mm-hmm-hmm. Because when you have Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics in uh, Apocalypse, yes. which was my favorite scene in the whole movie. And I actually had a, a friend, uh, oh. John Agostino, who uh, runs Red Zone Bar and Grill in uh, Long Island, he made the comment that it, he didn't like seeing that. He goes, that, that was a waste of time. They did it in the first. Why do they have to do it again? In the first? They did it in the second one, in, in Apocalypse. The sec- Yes, but, but I, it, I you're, that. you're saying it's your favorite scene in Apocalypse, but everything's blowing up and you're getting hurt and stuff. Come but on. it's still a cool scene. I mean, anytime there's a bulldog eating a slice of pizza, yeah. it usually goes over well with the public. Wow, I missed that. Where where can I get that? I better Google it. It was in Apocalypse okay. during his scene. I See, it's, I, gotta, it's, I, need, I need a rewatch movie. for yeah, sure. Yeah, but and, you then, know. and then you somehow managed to make Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce into a really cool song and just... An awesome moment. We'll get to the kitchen in due time for the movies for the blind. Exactly. But first, we have to find Peter Quicksilver at home. Now, listening to Alice Cooper. Mother opens the door and bears a resemblance. I didn't remember to check, or if it was in, the, it must have been in the credits that said who the character was that played the mother. But I'm I'm looking at her like an older Emma. 
Emma Frost. Yeah, maybe. And she's dead in these movies. In this, this movie. as we find out in the plane scene when Magneto threatens to c- c- collapse that whole plane while it's in midair. But you know, he says Emma is one of the ones that were that were killed, dead, and so. On. But I thought, hey, could this be? And then it gets reinforced when Peter does rescue Eric and says, uh, "So they tell me you can move metal." My mom knew a guy that could do that. So that's where I went, Emma. But and she couldn't don't, hear you because she's in the movie. And but not you in don't. Front of you. Uh, yeah. yeah. But you don't. Uh, you don't seem to agree on that. Eh. Who's his mother? Who's your daddy? Right in. Never mind that. But uh, he's intrigued, of course, by being able to break into the Pentagon because he's a kleptomaniac. I think he calls him. Yeah. He's being called in because the, he kept like he stocked piles of cupcakes and uh, Twinkies. Twinkies and you yeah. hear the whole concept of that. The you know the police have been there every day, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. What did he do now? Come in. Welcome. Matt has a tire track on it, essentially. But I guess when he ran yeah. in and stuff. It's, and you see the uh, Pink Floyd shirt and the silver jacket, which yeah, I have a friend Rose. She does a uh, Quicksilver cosplay, and like she's got the jacket, she's Get got out. the shirt. It's so cool. She's got the wig. No, I'm not going to get out. We have a podcast to record. We need Eddie. we need pictures. Okay, we got to set this up. Sorry, I don't have that. You know, you guys Spider-Man. could do a whole nother X Men uh, episode on what makes the hair go gray amongst some of the make a note. Very important Rose hairs. Quicksilver. Okay, I'm on that. Rose okay. Quicksilver and Storm. Rose. 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 Didn't you say Rose? I did say Rose. Thank you. Okay. Well, Rose, Rose. like part white. Quicksilver. Okay, fine. I'll be in touch. All right. No, you won't. <laughs> oh, the line that comes back to haunt me. Okay. There was a really good, though. I mean, this, when we get to this part, again, mentioning the, the private jet, and they're heading back to hopefully get together and do what they have to do to prevent the future from happening in this way, um, this tale of two brothers that I alluded to from the last episode continues because you have the, the anger that Eric and Charles are feeling towards each other. Who abandoned who? You went into hiding, you left us, and all this time had gone by, and people are dead now. So I think it's time everybody's got to man up. And I love <laughs> when I can hear a little bit of a Queens accent from Eddie. A Queens accent? Or, or not Queens, but like maybe Brooklyn kind of accent. Uh, I never had one. And I then was, he's doing this. I was a Bronx boy. Oh, there we go, Bronx accent. And then moved to Jersey and never brought the accent, as far as I recall. It's only implied and not compromised, never duplicated, fabricated, or... Imitated. Thank you. All right, back to the Bronx tale. The, the Bronx tale. <laughs> and then in this scene... But this is where we... Yeah, Angel, Azazel, Emma, Banshee, mutant brothers and sisters, all dead. So Logan comes in and I says... didn't even know they were sick. See? So you're always an asshole. Hey, you know, sometimes I try, Eddie. You want to pick all that stuff up? Yeah. But he says... He, he meaning Wolverine, says to Eric, you're like me. You're a survivor. And there's a double meaning with that line, of course. And again, mm-hmm. that's strong script writing with this movie. Like, that's one of the... I would say it's... It absolutely, when everyone says this is the best of the X-Men, you know, team films, I'm in complete agreement. I think everything about this movie is perfect. I think pretty much it's on it's on point. Um, you know, another piece of music that comes into this is now we go to, uh, to Paris, where there's this party... The, the delegates are there, this Asian delegate in particular who speaks French, and Mystique is there. And the song that's made of a, a different version in a different language, possibly French, is the supreme stop in the name of love. Yeah. Just a funky, tweaked-up maybe uh, version of that. Not to have any real significance to it because it was a 60s song. 
but it's there, and I make note of it because I do music. So we it's have a good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have the whole interaction between this this Asian French speaking delegate and Mystique takes the form. We first find out about he's Vietnamese. Vietnamese, thank you. Because the war is about to, you know, they're about to do the the truce, or they just signed the truce, or whatever, the peace treaty. Peace exactly. Treaty, yeah. Yep. And we're finding out now about this Sentinel program, and uh, Traska's remote control, that is going off wildly because there is a mutant in the room, and a scarf, and it's nice. And it's a nice scarf. We get we get to that a bit uh, a little later. Yeah. It's nice. 69 and, uh, nice you know it's uh in in, in this because uh, we're getting to the part now where he he's the mystique is the general or whatever the guy is in the room with all of them right joe i just yes. want you to know you just did your typical thing that you're calling something the the so the mystique <laughs> yes. well there was a group you know i get that but i don't know anything about the the but one of joe's uh trademarks is calling something the something yes hey it, it adds great importance the eddie wilson it's uh, and and while in this room, it was interesting because we have this uh, first struggle of uh, Kitty's power process, right? Earlier, yeah, we did in terms of not knowing what she could or couldn't do, if that's where you're going. No, I mean, like, she's transferring his consciousness. It's yeah. all going well. And, uh, you know, and then in this thing, he sees Stryker in the room. And uh, after they, like, come in while Mystique's fighting the other people and... Um, that's like sets something off with his memory and it breaks whatever connection he had for a while. Oh, yes, there was that part in there as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah so there's a lot going on here to pay attention to and even pick up with more than one, you know, viewing of this. I agree. So are you Charles's Raven or are you Mystique is the question. I don't know how to respond when, to that. When Raven finds out, because it wasn't you that really was directed to, but there you, you go. sure? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe maybe the uh Peter is maybe, full of mystique. Maybe the mutants we discovered were in our hearts all along. Maybe the mutants. Uh but as in other, I believe, films like an early X Men movie, we get a scene where Charles has reached out with his mind to the airport where he's speaking through uh an airline stewardess, other people that are in the airport trying to stop Raven from proceeding to what I believe is this um, summit accord, not an accord, we're not really in that zone, to stop her from doing what she's going to do and and freezing people in that, in that mental uh, sense. But my fellow Americans, President Richard Nixon, today we face the greatest threat in our history, mutants. Because now um, Trask has convinced the president that this is something that needs to be done, this program. When it gets to the point where he's not in charge of activating them, but it's now Magneto who has gotten control of these Sentinels. Good old Magneto. Then it's another story. The Oppenheimer quote, Behold, the world will never be the same again. I like how you kind of turn him into uh, Walter. You turn him into Walter Cronkite a little. No, he turned into Mandarin a little bit there. That's the way it was. All right, you can't go either way with that. I, I, I like Walter Cronkite. I take take both, actually. You've had mustaches. You have Cronkite mustache. It looks cool. Um, Yeah. Long That's the way the cookie crumbles. That's it. But, but that was the same Bruce Almighty. For I think the Fantastic Four, the world will never be the same again. Nope, it wasn't. Nope. Okay. <laughs> it was some. It was some intro on the top of a comic book page, 
an intro, you know, synopsis. The world's greatest comic book magazine. That's true too. But I think it's it could be fantastic for. I think I use it for a previous podcast episode. Yeah, you guys are as good as mine. Yeah, we're just kind of bickering. <laughs> but it's all Eddie, good I fun. didn't leave the toilet seat up, okay? <sighs> okay. You do at work sometimes. No, I don't. <laughs> I do not. I put it down. Because <laughs> I realize sometimes... Potty humor. Inter- interlude. Everybody poops. I killed the joke. Yeah, like oh, R.E.M. This will be edited out of the podcast. Probably right. not because I'll be too lazy for that. Everybody poops. Yeah. The remake of the R.E.M. Everybody Hurts. Everybody poops. I, I just knew it had to happen. Sometimes. Eventually. If you believe. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Peter, if you keep saying it, I'm going to lose my religion. Nice. Very nice. Hold on, I'm you trying, I'm trying just to shiny, happy people here? Ooh, that's a good one, too. Oh, okay, good. Mm-hmm. Man, my hopes and dreams are orange crushed. <laughs> like the record that's right next to him on the wall. Oh, crap, I didn't even Orange it. crushed. It's an orange yeah. Me and Peter R- have M. more energy now because we've turned this podcast into standing desks. Standing, I guess it's sta- it's stand up pot. We're turning podcast. we're turning into Broadway Bill Lee. Don't you wish? We're taking stand up comedy it's to a, another level. Eating fish. That's at least two Broadway Bill Lee references. I think we have to hashtag them somewhere. Somewhere, or make contact. Funniest thing is, I've always wanted to interview Bill Broadway Bill Lee. Then that's like, genuinely, I've then, always wanted to. And it's not funny. Okay, fine. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, kind of. It's humorous. Yeah. Okay. Now, in part of the ensuing. Uh, chaos that's happening here with uh, Magneto in control of these Sentinels. Do what you were made for. He tells one of them. Uh, Mystique becoming the president. Um, what up, Mystique? How are you? And then, what, continuing along with, uh, oh, the beast getting thrown around through the police car back window ha- happens to have a handful of injectables and normalizes himself so that the Sentinel loses his scent, if you will. Scent of a woman. They don't have no noses per se, or olfactories like that. Ooh-ah. And so then somewhere the Sentinel realizes Magneto's a mutant, Mystique is a mutant. They both come under, you know, under the gun sort of. Agreed. And um <laughs> and, and and the scaffolding that had fallen on Charles, uh now Mystique overpowers or actually gets a shot and kind of puts puts a hole in the side of his neck with, with a bullet from fired from a plastic gun, gets the helmet off of him and uh Wait a minute, how did he get out of there? We never explained how he got out of the prison, Joe. I mean, Eddie. Out of the prison? Oh, good, good. We, we, we so did. I went so fast. You missed that part. Ah, the Quicksilver, get it? That's exactly right. Okay. This guy over here. Sorry, Evan Peters in a really long but excellent, I think, done two, two and a half minute scene. But I already talked about that, Breaking Eddie. Magneto out. Well, we're rehashing. We're going back. This take is giving me whiplash. That's, yeah, just hold on to your... Hold on to your whatever fortitude. But getting Magneto out and getting him now, what, into the, I guess, into the kitchen. And someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. Where the guards are going to, uh, are firing, but yet Quicksilver is able to put on a set of headphones, put on Jim Croce, and do all these things in a heartbeat. I found it kind of funny that he's going around using a cassette player in, I believe, 1973. Cassette players weren't done until 1979, I believe. Uh, I, you know just, what? I'd have to look that up. That's just poor music development. <laughs> okay, stop that. <laughs> but the thing is, 
where did the uh, first Walkman ever make an appearance in a Marvel movie? It had mm. to be Guardians, I suppose. Mm-hmm. That's the tra- that's where we're going. Another the another T- Peter. The TSP dash L two. I know this because I've been looking on eBay for years for one. Eesh, okay. Because I am not going to pay five hundred dollars for a Walkman. Uh, no, you're not. Yeah. We'll have people pinning you down on the ground for for doing that and and putting you in a straitjacket. I think. Don't you think Walkman would be a great mutant title? He's got multiple legs. <laughs> and gears. I was just going to say that he has a wonderful melody. It's possible. Stop that. It could be multi, multi melody, Walkman, character. He's on the moon. Okay, joke. Stop it. <laughs> oh man, did we go back to REM now? I don't know. On the, on the moon. <laughs> I think we did actually. Well, that's in, you. It wasn't intentional. No, no, that that I think was you exactly. Yeah. We are a we together. And that's not the the Wii, as in uh, the Nintendo system that somehow right. just got announced that Just Dance 2020 is going to come out for it. The system's been wow. out for 14 years or something like that, and it's still <laughs> getting games made for it. You just wait when they reboot Days of Future Past in 50 years. They'll have it on the Wii. They're going to be going back to Dance Dance Revolution. I, I said Just Dance. Yeah, just close enough, man. That's, not a, really. that's an early no Just Dance. That's an early Lady Gaga song. Yes, off of. Uh, the monster? Yeah, party, not party monster. Oh, there was one called the monster. Something the monster. Then yeah. yeah okay. That was a good album. So what you were saying was after Magneto got like grazed by the bullet and Mystique put on a good poker face. Oh no! Oh no! Um, <laughs> well, I was actually going to stick with the kitchen scene oh, because kitchen I scene? thought okay. when it was first seen when it came out in 2014, could it have was it too long? No, but I but no, I don't think, I think so. It's the perfect amount of time. It ends up telling a story. To do everything the he had song. to do. He had to reverse the direction of the guns, the bullets. Uh, the policeman was going to punch him o- his own self, and and with the pan over somebody's head, etc. So that when the I love that scene. speed resumed to normal, that all these things happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, breaking out of the Pentagon shouldn't be an easy you know, thirty <laughs> second task. So I mean, I think at least three to four minutes is good time. Yeah, couple, yeah. Right for that for that scene exactly. Right with the sprinklers and, and everything like that. Um, but fast forward now, yes, to where you're saying uh, Magneto is distracted and down on the ground, helmet off. All yours, Charles, and helps to sort of put things aright. Um, but but Mystique is still going to kill Trask, but eventually does persuade her not to, and thereby alter history. Now she has already been, we we earlier found out, shot in the leg. The blood and the you're DNA was to obtained. blame. Ooh, okay, fine. Bon Jovi reference. You give love. Magneto. Yeah. It's sad like that. Some Whoa. say love is a magnetic feeling. That's from another song, I suppose. Some say love is like a pile driver. That's the rose, isn't it, Bette Midler? Yeah, I guess so. You know. Maybe. It feels just You're just throwing like stuff out here hoping driver. somebody gets it. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm just throwing it out there, you know. Well, maybe I've got a catcher's mitt on here and it's catch. It's, it's yeah. not missing anything except maybe, you know, Blink-182. Like the Yankees. Like the Yankees. Okay. I'm I'm there. I'm okay with that. For some of our listeners, that was like a cavalcade of just different references. You were referencing uh what song were you referencing just now? Well I wasn't trying the, to reference the any Rose. song, but it I guess I was. We got another Rose reference. Rose is Quicksilver. Rose Bet Midler. I was referencing a pile driver from the wrestling album <laughs> too. Uh with Hulk Hogan on the cover, sung by the great Coco Beware. 
the Ghostbuster I, himself. Yeah. And then I talked about the Yankees because you know we're getting back to the Bronx tale. Okay, so let's go back because we're coming back to a song that we heard early in the movie and it's coming back again because Logan got dispensed from with Magneto with I don't know how many steel cables encased in concrete and left to drown. Left for dead. And it was said, uh, and it was said, where's, where's Logan? What about Logan? Um, what about me? What about Raven? We find that he wakes up. Uh, you see a uh, newer type looking alarm clock radio that projects an image, tremendous. an image of a globe and it says golden oldies and you hear the same Roberta Flack song. First time Intentional? I ever saw your face. Yeah, okay. It's beautiful. Bird. I didn't mean to bring it up for that reason, so no, you okay, did. fine. No, I but he wakes up in the present and sees Rogue with Bobby, sees Kitty and Peter, that is Colossus, teaching a class. I love how, like, the names of uh, the, the X-Men in this. We got Bobby and Kitty. I'm expecting, like... What, the Mouseketeer I- thing? Iggy and Squiggy over here. Hello. I was, gonna, I was gonna say, okay. Ed, to be honest, and Eddie is like such a 1950s like uh, what's it called, like a Fishing greaser name. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's just a bunch of greasers. We got Bobby and Kitty over here, and Ed, Eddie's over here working on his jalopy. They didn't have jalopies back then, but I just wanted to use one. Sure, of they did. Why not? Well, they got hot rods. Yes, they did. Eddie's working on his hot rod over here. A regular grease monkey. Yeah. This this and joke has gone nowhere. And you know what Wolverine should have been working? What? History. That's what he was told in just a minute or two from Professor Xavier. You're Hold late for your, your horses. You're late for your class. Class, yes, history. Perfect for him. But you also see, in addition to Storm and the ones we mentioned, the Beast, Kelsey Grammer. No, it was not. I looked in the credits, and he was not in there. So it was just, just it... Kelsey's voice that was dubbed in? No, I'm going to look morning, it up right Logan. now because thank you for bringing that up. I did want to look right. that up. He says, morning, Logan, late start, and he chuckles as he walks off camera, off right. shot. Joe, I mean, Eddie, you can get impersonators but, for these things, though. But would you want to? I mean, Oh, for God's sakes, Niles. Oh, look, Kelsey Grammer's in the room. Oh, wait, it was me. Oh, you get the point. <laughs> oh, my stars and garters, even. So we also have, though, the appearance of Jean Grey. Which I loved seeing her in this. I thought So that was guess a- what? The timeline changed. She didn't die. That's what I got out of that. I didn't even know she was sick. And as, he, and as he goes to make sure she's real by maybe touching her face or hair. Whoa, big guy. And there's Scott. That dick. Easy big fella. Whatever, you know. And so we know that like things are good. And then the professor is seen as well. You have a class to teach, whatever. Uh, he was not in uh, Days of Future Past, by the way. Kelsey Grammer. That's his voice. I, I, it's no, because he's not credited on uh, Wikipedia or IMDb. You you may not be credited in some cases. Maybe the uh, the be, actor decides they don't an, want it to happen. It's an impersonator. It is. Because wow. like, I noticed the voice did sound a little bit different. Mm. I'm going to plead the fifth on that. I think I have to rewatch that. That's a, that's yeah, a little, I, little I did point lo- that's... I did look through the credits because it's still credited as the same actor who plays Hank. Nicholas so Hout? So he might have just done a Kelsey Grammer impression, but it's not Kelsey, because I was looking for like maybe older Beast or you know yeah no Beast I, teacher yeah I, no. I know at least one music song reference where a a co singer or background singer is not credited and that could be at that artist's 
choosing. Why would he not want to be credited for that movie, though? I, this is a good movie. He was in the shitty X-Men movie. Why would he not want to be in the good one? I, I mean, his part was kind of insignificant, aside still. from him just saying, I'm still alive. Still. Ah. Oh. What happened to Peter? Still alive. <laughs> well, that's good, you whisper, because, because then when Charles realizes what Logan is saying, he says... Because Patrick Stewart know. always whispers. He really can- does. And he cause he because he tells Charles, I need help with everything after nineteen seventy three. Except in so Logan, which is another conversation for another movie. His volume gets yes. much louder in that movie. Make it so number one. What's the last thing you remember? Drowning. Ooh. And we see the newspaper of this Sentinel program being canceled. And Trask is arrested arrested for now this is selling a- military secrets. Now this is a movie. Is the newspaper spinning in a circle? No, that's something else, I thought. Okay. Whether it's a Superman thing or a Batman thing. Or just any kind of movie where a newspaper's in there for no reason. Just Spinning? That's the only one that do I've it, ever they, seen. They do it in Spidey. Uh, okay, sure. Why not? I support it. The Bugle. I support it. Because it's a newspaper. <laughs> of course you support it. What are we here for? <laughs> that ruled. <laughs> that ruled. Solidarity. The only thing we don't know, and it does. It, I guess it just doesn't matter, is how long was Logan underwater? Drowning? Dying? I Three mean, minutes. Two minutes. Three minutes, whatever the yeah, amount. It was at least the 15-minute gap in time in the movie. So. The closest bidder was. And Major Stryker says, I'll take it from here. And it's actually Raven or Mystique. And now Charles comes back as a voiceover. You don't see him, but you hear him for the future is never truly set. Credits. So it kind of comes through again. And there's all the credits. Yep. And then we have the post credit scene involving Apocalypse. Yeah. Which was cool, you know. In the desert, a chant. And you're not using the version of Apocalypse, which ended up looking like Ivan Ooze from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, played by Oscar Isaacs. Which, who who actually was that one character that was in that, uh, well, I'm going to say robe, for lack of, that striped robe? Because it looked like it was a female character, I thought. Steve Buscemi. Oh, that's who, of course. <sighs> Silly question. Silly answer. Exactamundo. And then, of course, you're panning across... You're seeing uh, the side view of the person's face, and in the distance, on a hill in the desert, are the, four, are the four horsemen. From a distance. Another Bette Midler. Holy I cow. Doing, I thought I was doing uh, Anne Murray. Um, yeah, and maybe in 1973. Cool. You, you wish. How dare you, sir. Negative 15 years old then for you. Yeah. Do the math. Did you actually do the math, Eddie? Yes. He's quick. And that's right. There's one other end credit scene. There is? What yeah. Was it? Peter Dinklage is in uh Oh, yeah, he's prison. in the prison. And that's the mid credit scene. Yeah. Because, you and know. He's got the long beard. And honestly, when I saw him looking like that with the big bushy beard, Eddie, you'll appreciate this. He looked like every version of a short person drawn by Jack Kirby. Because every <laughs> short person in a Jack Kirby comic has to have big bushy hair and big bushy beards and just be like, Look how bizarre I am. Well, that doesn't... You know what? Maybe I did see that from the actual viewing of the movie, but I don't think I have it in my DVD. You probably just fast-forwarded it. No, I did not. Okay. You know how long it takes me to watch one of these movies? Probably close to double the time that it originally is. Two hours and 17 minutes? No, no, more like three and a half hours. With these notes? By gum, this means something. Yeah, I just had five bullet points, so kudos to you. Five? Yeah. This is about... Three and a half full sheets of paper written here. That's a lot of tree. Hopefully some deciphering going on as I'm going along here. I probably would have typed it, though. Probably. I wasn't typing it near the DVR and the DVD and stuff, so yeah. 
So yeah, I liked the movie a lot. I thought it was honestly the perfect interpretation of an X-Men story. It had the love and respect towards the source material. For as far as I could tell, it was, you know, as close to what you could get for the story. Obviously, there are certain elements you can't do, so it, not everything is going to translate over, and I'm dropping a quarter on the table. Because but that, was, that movie was money. Heads or tails? This is not a drinking game now. We've gotten this tails. far into the podcast. Jeez. Um, Louise Simonson. This reminded me, too, because my wife had actually asked me, she says, weren't there end credit scenes in all of these Not X-Men movies. And I said, well, wait a minute, you know, or it was or it was a good friend of mine. It, it could have been one or the other. But, yes, we had this scene with the prelude to Apocalypse, but, and I think it was at the end of Last Stand, because Xavier died. Right. But, Didn't even know he was sick. Yeah, but we found out that he came back to the, the comatose patient in the hospital bed where Maura McTaggart was. I think that was the end of The Last Stand. Yeah, that's, and he, that's and he's, the third. And he, and he says, Mora, so we know that the professor's coming back. But that, I think, was the part for, for that one. That was the other end credit scene I remember from an X-Men movie. But, yeah, I guess it wasn't consistently throughout that you had end credit scenes in, in the X-Men movies. Yeah, it really wasn't It really wasn't a thing until, I want to say, Iron Man came around. Yeah. Yeah, well, then— like More prevalent. Right, and, and more consistent. But how upsetting, at least with one of the more recent movies that was seen, where where somebody sat through you could you you heard at the end of everything what that's it no no post credit scene I think it was at actually at the end of Endgame yes it was when, and all you heard was Tony working on the suit and uh, that I needed to have seen was it from the third viewing I think that I stayed enough and listened and paid attention. And, so I and I was telling other people because they're asking, you know, my wife is saying to me, what are you doing? You know, whatever. Listen, listen. I want to see who the gaffer was. He's making the suit. What? Oh, you know. And that was, again, those are the little nods to these things that I love. But anyway, going, but going back over to my thoughts on uh, Days of Future Past, it's the perfect adaptation of the story. The overall, it makes, it's a great send off for the original core group of X-Men. Mm-hmm. from the first trilogy and just a phenomenal outing from all involved and yeah as peter says i would say solid 5 out of 5 it is the best x-men team movie i've ever seen yeah you know this movie definitely has what i like to call the forrest gump and the harry potter weekend effect uh which is that you could be flipping through the channels and you might have seen those movies about a hundred times probably have all of us but you just somehow are like i'm just going to turn it on for like 10 minutes and then you're and then six hours later you're still there (laughs) watching it for a third uh, time for a third time and and so yeah i would say it's that type of effect i mean listen i'm i i guess i could say i'm a bit of a perfectionist i don't know if i'd give it a five out of five i'd probably multiply it to a i'd say 4.5 so it's a nine out of ten because you know there were some things that you know anything could be improved upon is it the character development joe no, I thought that was excellent, Peter. Um, but you uh, had to multiply your rating, okay? Yeah, you know. So I would say that it was a it was a very good uh, good movie, and uh, you know, I I think that you know for these X Men films, I think it had a really good message, and uh, I think it kind of tied together all the character points pretty well. So. Well, one of the to the to the watching of the movies on your flipping on your channels note is that uh, with the um, release of Dark Phoenix in theaters that at least one network was showing, I think it was FX, 
showing at least two of these three movies, Days of Future Past and First Class. I think Apocalypse might have been in there as well. Okay. I watched all three. And so there you go. But uh, I cannot say less than a five than if Peter gave it a five. There's there's no way that, that I'm going to say it's it's less than that. So, so you're in there agreement you five out of five? I'm going there. Yeah, sure. it's, mm-hmm. There's a reason that when people talk about the greatest comic book movies of all time, this is in there. Yeah. Forget that. You know, you take the liberty of a different trait of the comic book tar- character of, and it really doesn't apply so much Shadowcat, of Kitty being able to teleport someone mentally I do, back all this all this time. So you, I do you, you wish, let that one go. I do wish Kitty was involved in these movies more. Because she was primarily involved in X-Men, I think the original X-Men trilogy, but not much. I think two and three. Because she uh, was in X-Men 1, wasn't she? But like just a background character. I think, I think in X-Men yes, 2, background. X-Men 2, she was played by a different actor. And well, she yeah. was just one of the people that I were running. I thought was the same in all of them. No, I think in the second movie, she was played by a different actress who was just like, she was one of the kids that got caught when Stryker raided the school. Right. Uh, so the third movie is where she kind of came out of the blue and, and had this giant. No, that's Mystique. Well, or Beast came out of. The... Do we? Oh, oh, came or out of the blue. Nightcrawler. Oh, he's my favorite one too. Why didn't I think of him? Yeah, he's good, Peter. Oh, um, you'll save nice. him for the next uh, marvelous show. Very nice. Uh, no, but I think I though with Kitty, yeah, you did get a brief look at this character as she exits the study that is. Uh, Charles's, 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 Charles's room, um, and, she, and she goes right through the right through the door, and and she did wall. um and she did do a great uh, you know, she was a big character in development. You know, she uh, had beat the juggernaut herself. So, <laughs> I mean, I just, I would prefer like even like Kitty as the team leader or one of those kind of things because they've done it in the comics. <sighs> yeah, okay. well, she's kind of like the she's kind of like the planner of the group. Yeah. For a reference that no one will get, just only you and me, Joe. She's the Jessica of the X Men. Yes, yes. Shout out to Jessica, uh, coworker at co-worker large. Rota. Yep. Uh, you know, listen. You know, really though, I I think she did play a huge role, Peter. Who, Jessica? Or, uh... Well, both. But but I was going to say Kitty in this movie because in a way, you know, Charles and was in charge. Yes, of and our and our nights. Charles and Eric, you know. They were kind of like when you know, like you're in a family and it's like Thanksgiving or Christmas, but now you know the the grandparents, you know, are going to their children's house and they're cooking, you know. And, and then it's pretty January much, and you're paying off the bills. It's Christmas, Thanksgiving are all yeah, over. What? Pretty much. So, you know, I was saying for that point of it, you know, she was really doing all the planning. I mean, Charles Xavier just showed up and was like, "Yeah, that's an interesting idea," and you know, and then Wolverine was like, "Let's have turkey." I do it. Yeah. So I thought she did. I thought she was in a way. A and leader. take a nap after it was a that trip to Fen kicks in. in. This, uh, in this uh, movie, yeah. She was the MVP, Peter. Montel Vontavious Porter. Yeah, because Most without her, player. without wow. her, they couldn't even go back in time to change things. She was key. Yes. Like how slow or soft you got at that? Yeah. Mic drop. Don't that. dr- That's don't a drop voice drop. drop. Voice drop. Know the difference. Because okay. the mic drop would be, you know. Don't hit the microphone. <laughs> Well, that's the sound it would make on upon impact now, wouldn't it? I so know. Now, so now the next episode of this here fine program is going to be? Apocalypse. That is X-Men Apocalypse. That but is not, not to be confused with Dark Phoenix, which is not an X-Men movie, apparently, with the title. <laughs> Although internationally it is X-Men Dark Phoenix. And not to be mistaken with Apocalypse now. Then when? 
Exactly. Or how? If or. Oh, here we go with the reporter newspaper question. How soon is now? Uh, the Smiths. Yes. Jeez. Okay, fine. Ended on a music note. So, for Peter Melnick. <laughs> what? That was that was a vocal exercise. That was a good vo- that was good, man. Let us let us not close like, out before we announce. Like, were you classically like, trained? Um, I took class. It was Roberta Flack in the room. No. Roberta, you look like Eddie. Mhm. Set the night to music. <laughs> And Joseph Abraham's pearly whites are showing. Yikes. $10,000 of braces and wisdom teeth removal will get you. Before we drop the mic on this episode, we want to tell people at home one final thing. Two. That we always forget. Eddie. What? How can people listen to you on the radio? Tune in. Actually, you can do it through the Radio Bold app. And find us, 95.9 VOS FM. Available for all iOS and Android devices. Yeah, and we stream. And that kind of stuff. And when do so. you when when Mornings. Are, when are you in the air chair, Eddie? Six to nine a.m. Eastern. Eastern. This continent. This hemisphere. Yeah. Of the and globe. This island Earth. And it has a very cleverly run uh, social media platform. Clever. I wonder mm. who's in charge of the VOS tw- uh, Facebook works, page. Works. We may never know. We. It's like how many licks does it take to get this in of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. One, yeah. tahoo, a three, <laughs> three. Well, it was supposed to be Eddie Wilson, not the. It's in there. One, tahoo. It's in there. Somewhere. Three. Yeah, exactly. Eddie Wilson. Don't forget to listen in to our daily postings as well, starting with Mutant Monday, or Muty Monday. He likes that. Team Up Tuesday. Wolverine Wednesday. Thor's Day. First appearance Friday, which is my personal favorite one. Is that right? Yeah, I love doing that because like, I love, I love just randomly pulling out characters that either I'm reading or I'm just like I want to know more about them. Like the recent one, Ernst. Well, no, Ernst was no, no, a no, no, no. There was an Ernst. No, Ernst, so. Ernst was Mutant Monday. I thought there was a first appearance. Okay, I, Ernst was Mutant Monday. Okay, and there then, we go. And then the Scarlet Witch Saturday, I think. No, Spider Man Saturday. Spider Man Saturday. Sunday. Okay, is the, is the day, day of rest. rest. <laughs> exactly. As we well finish each be. other's sandwiches. Let's ew. <laughs> <laughs> so what that's, you're saying is on a not Sunday. Not say we did. So what you're saying Stop is, that. Emphatically, what we're saying is Joseph Abraham. So, so you're saying on the Sunday was Scarlet Witch Sunday. No, but when asked, you're like, I don't even know who you are. There's no what. There's no but. There's no asked. That was a good one for me. I can end it. Well, another good one. You know, sold it. Yeah. Okay. I get that from Peter five times a day. I'm good. You really do. My, condo- my condolences. I didn't even know they were sick. See? You know, Peter's really developed that joke throughout this. Thank you. Developed. Yeah, another key word of this. It's like a fungus. Mm-hmm. Fungus among us. Don't forget, upcoming shows, appearances, what we want to let you know all about. And the next one coming up in this point of our timeline is in Uniondale, Long Island, Eternal Con. You'll be there, I won't. Saturday, June 22nd, so he says. And Sunday. And Sunday the 23rd. But no, my, my plan is just on Saturday. Because Sunday. Is a day of rest. There's other things going on in the universe, in, in the world. Like other WrestleManias. Oh, that? Well, that's personal preference. After that, the weekend following is the Garden State Comic Fest, the seventh one, down in Morristown, New Jersey, at the William G. Menon Sports Arena. By Menon. Oh, that's something else, yeah. But I'll be there that Saturday, so I get to see Joe Jesco. And I will as well. And 
the boy himself, Stanley's first Marvel editorial successor, Roy Thomas. There will be autographs. There will be photos. There will be camaraderie. And it will be good. Rousing conversation. A rousing con. What are you talking to him about? Could be. Could be. Longevity. How about that? Mm, a longevity. That's exactly right. More famous from Roy from The Office. Eternal Maybe. Con, but going back to Eternal Con, I think we, we will see Mantis also. I don't think she'll be Palm wearing the Clementine. antenna. Palm will be there as well, again, and uh, and others. Uh, not as numerous, I think, as if you have to compare to, to Garden State, but I need to go back and get the whole itinerary there. Um, and if you like some uh, voice actors, Alan Oppenheimer and Michael Bell, uh, both, rather, Alan, best known for Skeletor, on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, Michael for voicing Duke and other numerous others on the G.I. Joe cartoon series, if you're all about that. My G.I. Joe was having some of those green soldiers growing up as a kid and some issues of that of that comic book. And Millennials got Channing Tatum and The Rock. Is that right? Yeah. Cool. We're also <laughs> going to talk to <laughs> or actually see uh, at, at um, Garden State Comic Fest a cosplayer that we had during our Women in Marvel March, and that's uh, Sharon Rose. Looking forward to catching up with her as well. Oh, and I think Garden State is the one place that I've seen that you can have people in costume on ice skates, on, on a rink, in, in an indoor setting. Ooh. Exactly. Cosplay on ice. And they'll do the typical, or maybe not so typical, costume contest. So that's in the immediate future. Then, of course, we'll have in, I think July won't be too con-heavy for us anyway, but then in August it's terrific con. Hashtag Mitch Halleck. There is uh, D23 in July as well as Ah, San Diego Comic-Con. San Diego, the big one, on the the left coast. The best coast, if you will. If you will. Well, what are we doing here if we're not on the best coast, Peter? We're getting ready to be on the best coast. Okay. Hugh, Peter, Paul, and Mary leaving on a jet plane. Gosh, darn it. There's another Peter. Can we go with the one that was on the Armageddon soundtrack from 1998? Uh, I don't know. Chantel something something. Is that right? Yes. Wow. Okay. If you must. Bon voyage. And then, of course, in October is the real biggin. The NYCC. I'll be there and... I'm looking to be there as well. I don't know what part of it or what parts of it. Beyond that... The target is in sights, in the crosshairs for... The target is in Middletown, in the Galleria Mall. Super Mega Fest, Framingham, Massachusetts, November 16th and 17th. I think my probable first con ever. And you're going to that this year? I intend to. Are you going both days? It's looking good. Yeah, you don't go about three and a half, three hours to just go for the one. That I might consider going with you with, oh. depending oh. depending on guests. See, folks, this is his first finding out about it, so what does that mean? Stay tuned. Nothing happens. <laughs> For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Joe Abraham. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! Obsessed with Marvel. Part of X Month, that is... June. And probably none of these questions will have to do with the X-Men. <laughs> well, let's see how we play our cards. It's question number 124. We're early in this book. I bet it's about Rom the Space Knight. Oh, I would be ready. Which of the following writers was never... Pause. Pause. You are a Rom the Space Knight guy? Yes, sir. That is a cool fun fact about you 70, I never knew. 70 issues. 75. 
75, thank you. I know more about ROM than you do. And probably the second run of a comic book title that my brother collected as well. Nothing oh. nothing really else besides that and the original Ghost Rider run. Sorry, just like you being a ROM guy just like caught me so off guard. I never knew that. So you haven't even read, have you read the IDW stuff? Some. Okay, just wondering. Mm-hmm. So not the whole thing. I wasn't going to get wrapped up in, in that right. again. Yeah, it's already done. You can ra- get wrapped up in it now. Yeah. That's in a dollar bin. So which of the following writers was never the regular scripter of Fantastic Four? Was it Steve Gerber, Steve Englehart, Chris Claremont, or Doug Mensch? If I'm saying that right. Was never the regular scripter of Fantastic Four. I think it was Steve because Steve was working on Defenders, Howard the Duck. Steve Gerber? Yeah. Okay, Steve Englehart, Chris Manfin. Claremont, Doug Munch. But also Claremont really wasn't an X-Men guy either. Fantastic Four. Yeah. That's what we're oh, Sorry, sorry, I meant Fantastic Four. You wanted it to be X-Men, I know. Um, Joe's out of this one, I believe. So you're saying Steve Gerber? Yeah. Never the regular scripter. I don't know who was. I'm just going to take Peter's answer and go. And it is Steve yeah. Gerber. Holy cow. Because I guarantee Are you. Are we on a turnaround? Claremont probably had like maybe a handful of issues of the uh, F4, but otherwise. No. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm just, that's just deep. Because Gerber, Gerber in the 70s, like I said, was Howard the Duck, the Defenders, Man Thing, and just like random I, stuff. I remember Gerber for Howard the Duck for some reason. Oh, because that was his creation. That was his Not baby. having, okay, well, there you go. Not having done that run. You never own the Howard the, the Duck books? I do. Oh, okay. So I, I do. I'm currently say. looking, well, I don't think I got the, ni- the, the 96, 97 version. Eh, you're not missing out. So, yeah. But I did happen to randomly find one of three issues of the movie adaptation. That's a shame. <laughs> well, it was a dollar. All right. It was overpriced, perhaps. It was more than more than cover price. Question number 1871, and it says, in which branch of the armed services did Frank Castle serve? This might not be too difficult. Army, Marines, Navy, Air Force. Marines. Marines. I, yeah. I, I think it's Marines, so let's just let's just go there. And it is Marines. Two out of two? What's going on here? We got our lucky Joe. It's a lucky Joe. What do you know? Down with the flow. Really? I don't sell progressive. She's cute. We like flow. She's pretty. She's. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that tribute to my southern ways. You're welcome. (laughs) Back to North Carolina we go, folks. Okay, fine. North Kakalaki. What? No, don't even say that again. North Kakalaki? All right, JBL. Is that what that means? Okay, fine. It's question number 2406. How do we appreciate? What musical instrument did Gabe Jones play? I know this. Why? Because I remember seeing him on a cover of Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. Oh, wasn't it a trumpet? What musical instrument did Gabe Jones play? Trombone, bugle, oh, was bugle. drums, piano. I'm, You're I'm playing the piano on a tank. Yeah, that would be kind of rough. Um, bu- my guess is bugle. Yeah, boogie boogie bugle boy. My kind of, I'll agree with this. My certainty is going to be bugle. Can it be three out of three? It is. Hat trick. Wow. 
Wait, is that a hat trick, Joe? You're a sports guy. In, it's a hockey reference. In, in, yeah, in hockey, yes, it is. It is a hat trick. So shall we? Shall we quit while we're ahead? Yes. Thank you, Excelsior, again.